0: Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio.
1: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
2: Does baseball have a home run problem? Some people seem to think so. Where is Russell Westbrook going to go, and why should he go there? What is the greatest sports performance involving an injury? And with a little Jaguar talk today, I take away the sunshine and rainbows, and I'm bringing in some rain clouds, and I'm going to tell you how many games the Jaguars have to win to ensure that the GM and the coaching staff stays in place. A little, little bit of everything today on ESPN 690. A little, little bit of a hodgepodge, but I'm Austin Lane, joined by my co pilot, co host, Stuart Weber. And we got Coos in the back pushing all the right buttons. How's it going, guys?
1: Usually the right buttons. Sometimes. Qualify that for our boy Coos. Yes. Uh, I'm doing good. It's a little hot out. Got a nice little run in today. How far? It's like four miles. Just four miles? I yeah. mean, you said it so nonchalantly, like it's not a big deal, dude. It's not that big a deal. It's kind of a big deal, I guess. I mm-hmm. don't know. I uh, I did strategically. It's funny because the the street that I'll just run on, right right by my house, uh, the str- side of the street I'd normally run on, is completely bathed in sunlight. Okay. So I'm like, I'm just gonna run on the other side of the street, which is in shade. Yeah. So I feel like I, I saved a life, mine. Fair enough. Uh, when I did that today.
2: Fair enough. Uh, I'm gonna get right into it and. As far as the sporting world's concerned, wasn't a lot happening last night. We had wrestling. There was WWE Raw. But the big attraction... So there was not a lot going on. Easy. But the big attraction was the Home Run Derby. Yes. And I think we all keyed into it. I think we all watched it. Some people might have listened to it on the uh, ESPN 690. I did for a little bit. Uh, so let me ask you. If you listened to it on the radio,
1: was it just the direct broadcast from the TV feed or was no, it different? It was different. Um... <laughs> It was and it was in and out because it would be like he'd call a couple home runs. Now let's go down and have our side sideline reporter interviewing this player. Yeah. So it was. You know, it it wasn't as focused on every single swing going out. Yeah. As far as that part of it goes. Well, and that was the thing. And listen, I'm sure
2: ESPN absolutely hates me talking smack about listening to the home run derby on the radio. But I'm just going to be a realist, man. Like it, it, and I didn't listen to the radio broadcast at all, but I couldn't imagine being the announcer just being like, there it is. Uh, there it is again, and again, Like, wh- how do you announce well, forty
3: nine? Like, you know, because you actually made me start thinking about this. Once, once you were like, why would anybody do that? Is baseball the, and I'm not saying the home run derby. In terms of listening to a game and not having a visual element, is baseball the best sport to listen to? It's a
2: good question. I think it is, just for the fact that it's probably the slowest game right like if you listen to hockey basketball or football um it's a little more fast-paced so while there are a lot of good color commentators out there there's a lot of good broadcasters out there it's still hard to maybe get the entire pictures because the game's happening so fast with baseball and you know me being a brewers fan i i i, I get the opportunity to listen to bob Euchre uh every once in a while when he does the games and you know Bob's one of the, the greatest to ever do it and it's cool because when there's a lull in action he'll share like old stories from like back in the day.
1: Well that's and that's what I was about to jump in on and my personal experience having done the play-by-play for the Armada the first 3 seasons uh soccer is another one of those sports that allows time for stories mm-hmm. when they're in the middle third of the field and they're not in an attacking position. Uh so I see some parallels but I probably would say baseball of all the sports is probably one of the best ones to listen to on the radio. Um I don't know football just you want that visual element you know you want to see those those great catches those huge crunches on the field just the that side of the game baseball you're you're still able to get the feel and the atmosphere from it listening on the radio you yeah. can, you know you you hear the crack of the bat you hear Uh, the peanut guy in the background, you hear, you know, that, that low murmur of people just having conversations and the crowd and then the crowd suddenly goes quiet when you hit the, you know, you, you can still transport yourself to that location with baseball and in my opinion, probably better than other sports, uh, just just my take on it.
2: No, absolutely and you gotta remember too, like to the casual fan, to the casual baseball fan, to the casual football fan, your job as an announcer is to paint that picture. So in football, for instance, say, you know, you're announcing the game and it's like, all right, so we got shotgun, we got trips right, uh, you know, the backs in motion. Yeah, sure, I can paint that picture in my head because I've been looking at formations pretty much my whole entire life, so I know what to expect. But from the casual fan, when you say trips right out of the shotgun, you're like, Yeah, most people know what a shotgun is. Maybe most people know what trips right means, but you know, for that instance, I mean, now you're thinking about oh, trips right. So I'm trying to picture it, and the play is already happening. So from that perspective, too, I think, like I said before, it's such a, a fast-paced uh, kind of game where it helps to visualize it and actually see it on TV as well. well.
1: And that's that's a challenge of some of those other sports is that there is so many changes that happen over the course of all the movement mm-hmm. in baseball. Uh, the shift, notwithstanding, which is a big thing right now. You generally know where everybody is standing in the field. You know you got three outfielders. You know where each infielder is standing. You know that the fence is to a certain spot out and left, right, and center. Uh, So that certainly is a part of it. And my experience uh, doing soccer, I found that it was very important to be able to relate it to the non-soccer fan, Mm -hmm. especially in a market where you might have a casual listener who just pops it on and is like, oh, what's this? What, what are they talking about? What's a touchline? What's a, you know, all the the different terms that they have in soccer, which don't get me started on
2: that. Well, and here's the real question. Do you have a, a catchphrase that you use, like, that's personalized for you that the people kind of know you by? I, try- I
1: feel like you need to have one. Yeah, I tried not to force one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more often than not, I would throw a back of the net in there as part of it. Come on. That's like, that's common, man. How many different ways can you say? He puts the onion in the basket. You so, know. So, I mean,
2: yeah, that's that's a little too forced. But so, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You, yeah. you, you
1: you want it to come organically, and For I never sure. really had anything more organic than yeah. that. That was really just kind of what I'd say when a Have when you a ever goal thought about happen.
2: getting like an English accent to help you out as well? Because I feel no. like if you have an English accent, it, it improves the. I'm overall. not in England. Uh, no, I understand I that, man. But listen, I'll. I'll watch American soccer games, and if there's an English accent guy on the TV, for some reason it just uh, it helps put me at ease when I'm watching soccer. Just
1: puts me at a disadvantage for getting jobs. I'm just hey, I'm, tr- I'm trying to help you out, man. No, you're trying to edge me out of the field. No, I'm just trying to help I you see.
2: out and say you should get an English accent, and develop a catchphrase, but we'll get into that later. But the home run derby, the big story yes. last night. Um, what
1: did you think about it? I enjoyed it. I, yeah. I like the I like the current format. It's a that's a lot of home runs,
2: dude. So so we're talking in the first two rounds. There were four-minute rounds, and the goal was to hit as many as possible. And what you have to remember now is it's not like the old days where you got 10 pitches. You can take as many balls and strikes as you want, which I kind of enjoyed. And I understand what MLB is trying to do. They're, they're trying to speed up the the whole process a little bit. But to me, there's something about there's something magical about watching a guy hit a home run and kind of just follow it out, and the cameras are following the ball out. It was rapid fire last night. Like, all of a sudden, boom, home run. All right, back to the plate. Here comes another one. And listen, I'm not a snitch, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but those kids that were in the outfield, sure. if I was one of their parents, I would have social services call on me because <laughs> those kids in the outfield last night for the home run derby, they were, they were put at risk. They were in the line of fire. They were in the line of fire because yeah. you had Vlad Guerrero Jr. hitting absolute just... Moonbeams, But every once in a while, you hit like a line drive. So he hits a line drive. Kid goes after the ball. Well, guess what? The next pitch is coming right away. I was concerned for the kids last night. Like if it was my son out there, if Ronan was out there last night, and he's only four. So let's say in a couple of years, he's out there for some reason. I would have ran on the field. I, I, I would have picked him up and said, son, we're out of here. There's no way I'm going to co-sign
1: on this I think stuff. a number of them are sons of the players who made the All-Star game.
2: I, I don't care who it was. I'm just saying I'm calling social services because the fact that those kids were put in such risk last night, uh, it was baffling to me. But, you know, getting back to the game or to the to Derby, I mean, I think Vlad grail Jr. didn't win it, but I feel like he, he actually. But he did. He did win it, right? Yes. And here's the thing about it. How do you hit 91
1: home runs and you don't win it? I have a problem with that. I don't. I I've always and, and that's part of the the bracket the bracket setup right
2: which I I'm not a big fan of either but yeah go on
1: like if you're if you're in March Madness and in the Final Four and say you blow out Kentucky by 40 in the semifinals and you just had this amazing game and you know nine guys on your team had a triple double I'm exaggerating um, you go to the final and you lose by one should you still be the winner? you got to beat the team that's in front of you, or in this case, you beat the guy. I
2: understand that, but the difference between that is that both teams are playing at the exact same time. And in the bracket format for the Home Run Derby, Guerrero Jr. had to go second all the time. And when he had to go second, I'm sorry, he had to go first every single time. So he didn't know what number he had to get, as opposed to Jacques Peterson, who literally went second every single time, so he knew what number he had to get. So with, with Vlad Guerrero's position... He just had to keep on swinging until he couldn't swing anymore. You know, because how, you, you know how you fix
1: that? How do you fix it? Hit more home runs. Or just don't have the bracket. How he, does that sound? He was the 8th seed because he had the least number of home runs in the regular season. Agreed. So that's why. So hit more home runs in the regular season, and then you're not seeded 8th, and you don't have to hit first every time.
2: But then is it also fair, though, too, that he had 91 home Okay, so here's another thing, then. Let's talk about it. Shouldn't they kind of carry over maybe the second round to the finals?
1: So they used to do this, right? Yeah, and and I was a fan of it. They used to have this setup where it would be the cumulative number of home runs, and you would get into situations where a guy who excelled in a previous uh, four-minute session would then completely blow the guy out of the water because the number to reach was too high. Mm -hmm. So that's why they went to the bracket, and I think the bracket works. I I like that head-to-head, I just saw how many you hit, now I'm going to hit more, or you just saw how many I hit, now... I'm gonna hit that idea that you just go head to head with some guy and do it that way.
2: Agree to disagree. Yeah, but no. but I think we can both agree but the fact that we're talking about it. We are talking about it. But I think the fact that the one million dollar prize is on the line. Yeah. Um, it was uh, Which for both players is almost, almost much more double than they make what they right make now. in the regular season.
1: They make five hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars this year. I mean, and you can tell, like, dude, I was. I was
2: almost in pain for Glad Girl Jr. because he put everything he had into those shots. I mean, he's definitely a power hitter, but uh, he had to use his entire body as opposed to the winner, your guy from Florida, who you mentioned a little bit, the polar but, bear, the polar bear, Pete, uh, Pistol Pete, Pistol done. Pete ended up, I mean, he, he had a nice swing too, Pete Alonzo, but didn't put his whole body into it. I, I think he was a little smarter with his decisions, but we'll talk about that a little more after the break here. Honestly though, if if I was the manager of the Blue Jays, I would have ran on the field too and shut Vlad down. I'm like, dude, I understand we're probably not in playoff contention. Well let's discuss that next. We'll talk about that next during ESPN six ninety.
4: I didn't think I'd ever be booed at a home run derby, to be honest with you. Um, but I guess that's the that's the hometown uh, that's the hometown home cooking. So dealt with some adversity, but uh, we overcame and pretty much just survived in advance. <laughs> I mean, we hit the sweet spot. We got in a groove uh, for a little while and just carried it on through. So, I mean, it was was, was really special. I'm I'm so blessed.
1: That is the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, the former Florida Gator who wins the home run derby. Of course in that first round he had to go up against Carlos Santana, the Cleveland Indian slugger. Yeah. And thus he got booed. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, Santana, not the best showing. If this was a double competition, he have won it.
1: It was better than Jim Tomey's showing the last time <laughs> yeah. Cleveland hosted the All Star or the All Star Festivities. Yeah. When he had a, a zero spot in the home yeah, run derby. Giant goose again. You know, that's that's not good he for and your pride. he and I hit the same amount the that same year. Amount. Yep. <laughs> like I said,
2: if it was a double competition, might have had something cooking there. But, uh, yeah, not good in the home run end. Um So I mentioned it before. You hit 91 home runs in the home run derby. Now, granted, there was overtimes. And, by the way, that, that whole showdown with uh, Jacques Peterson and Vlad Guerrero Jr. was by far the highlight of the night. I mean, you have two guys who had, I believe it was, 29 to start things off. They tie again. And then they go into the third round, which meant they got three pitches. And they could uh, take balls and strikes. Kind of like the old school way of doing it. And they both go first. I think they each hit two. And then they have to come back again and get three more pitches. And then Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit two. Uh, Jacques hit one. And, um, that was good television. I mean, that was, uh, that's what you want in a home run derby. Especially two guys with, with all due respect. I mean, you know, I was like, I picked Vlad Guerrero Jr. and I'm sure he's listening to the show. Yeah, and, no I And wanted to show sure. out for me. And I appreciate that, Vlad. Sorry I didn't win it. But, uh, two guys who, Maybe not the most well-known uh, to the casual baseball fan. I mean, the, the name Vagaro Jr. obviously holds some kind of weight because of his dad. Mm, sure, uh, Jacques Peterson, not so much, but two guys that really kind of showcased their skills and really put their names on the map.
1: I think that was a great thing about this year's field in the Derby, is that it was a lot of those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Ronald Acuna for the Braves, uh, you talk about Jacques and Vlad and... Alonzo, I mean, these are guys who are obviously household names in their home markets mm-hmm. uh, because of all the dingers. Yeah. Uh, all the... Dong Leiby's. Dong Leibies. There it is. Yep. Uh, that they've been hitting. Uh, but this gives them a chance to shine on that national stage. And for those young guys, that, that $1 million carrot ain't bad either. And I'm going to be honest, man. Your pick
2: last night was Acuna. Yeah. Uh, from your Atlanta Braves. That is correct. And I've seen the guy play a couple times. You know, um, that's a guy... That's got everything. I mean, if you watched him last night, this was a guy who was hitting it on every side of the field. He was going opposite field. He was going down the middle. Um, it was an impressive showing, and you can definitely tell. I mean, I was talking about Black Guerrero Jr. when I picked mid my pick because he has the swag. Yeah, it was evident last night that the swag belonged to Acuna. Yeah, I mean, he's blowing got the looks, mid home Ken Griffey Jr. Yep. In slow motion that they were replaying it. Um, I think that kid's gonna be special.
1: And that's that was the encouraging thing because you you worry about your your star players getting in there and messing up their swing he didn't change his swing that's why he was able to hit it to all fields he wasn't mm-hmm. concentrating on the pole which is generally the easier home run to hit he was hitting in the center he was hitting in the right opposite field going all over the the yard and it was if you look at that spray chart on twitter it is just so impressive to see all those arcs just all across the entire park and uh not a bad guy to have locked up for your team for the foreseeable future. And he's uh, he's the leadoff hitter, too. That's another crazy thing. Mm-hmm. So many guys who enter this home run derby are power hitters and hitting cleanup. Cooney is the leadoff guy because he hits for average, too. Yeah, and just the way this was set up this year, though...
2: And I was kind of bummed yesterday that Christian Yelich wasn't in this home run sure, Yeah, But seeing how the format was, whether it's just nonstop, nonstop home run after home run, I'm kind of glad he wasn't in it now because I think it can really definitely mess up your swing, especially Vlad Garo Jr. who hit 91 home runs. I'm not sure how many hits that equated to probably at least 150, I would say. Should have hit 92, the, the Austin Lane special. Exactly. But if, if you're the manager, and I get it, you're the Toronto Blue Jays you're 17 and a half games behind in the division right now to the Yankees, the Rays and the Red Sox. Probably not going to make a lot of noise after the all-star break. I get that. And I get that. It's great for your ball club. It's great for a young talent to showcase his skills, but you have to be nervous because I mean, and and it showed in spades that final round when he was going to the the, the extra, which was another cool thing. They had like the extra time where if you hit two balls over 414 feet or 430 feet, whatever it was, you got extra time. And the last extra time that Guerrero Jr. had, I mean, he was he was gassed spent. He yeah. was absolutely
1: spent um, as a manager. You got to hate to see that, though. You do. But it's just swinging. And I get that when you when you're gassed, you're more susceptible to injuries. Yeah. Um, so I can certainly understand that that side of it. But at the same time, you want that guy to go win that million bucks. You want him to have that opportunity to do that. It actually leads me to a, a bigger question that I was kind of thinking of leading into the show today. Um, it's a mid-season All-Star game. You don't see it in the NFL. The NFL does it after the season, sort of before yeah. the Super Bowl. But you know, uh, it, it can, it's very interesting how it can how it can affect players and teams as they move into that second half of the season because. A lot of the times, you know, you can come out a different person out of the All-Star break, out of that 4 or 4-day four whatever it is break, and once you get back on the field, you're swinging a hot bat, you're back, you're you got that that reset button for a lot of the guys that aren't doing the festivities. It's the Midsummer Classic. Yeah. People love it in the summertime. If you're that worried about injuries and and players and and pitchers are being held out of, you know, starts and not being able to compete in these things, Mm -hmm. would they ever think about moving it after the season? Like football does? No. I feel like only football can do that, right? Well, football has to do that, Because of how physical it is. Exactly. Sort of. Not really in the the Pro Bowl. Definitely not in the (laughs) Pro Bowl, but the thing
2: about it like this, if you chose to have um, the NFL have their All-Star game, or their their Pro Bowl, mid-season... how many guys would actually do that? And I'm not talking about because you watch the product. And I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of the the Pro Bowl just because it's not entertaining to me. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. But if you have it during the midseason, I feel like a lot of guys would just sit out and try to get that extra week break. Yeah. A, as opposed to having to go to Hawaii, go to Orlando, travel, um, you know, put
1: the system in and then perform. Like I think a lot of players would just sit out and take that extra bye week. Of the four. Major professional sports in America, of course, baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. You bet. It's pretty clear that baseball is the most competitive, most realistic of the All-Star games. Agreed. It's the one that looks like the normal product the most. Yeah.
2: And and the saddest thing is, though, is that it's a game that I'm not that into either. I talk about the All-Star game for baseball. Um, I'd probably go with the NBA over over uh, baseball, and to me, listen, I, you remember when they used to have the rule where whoever won had, like, the World Series advantage? They had the home field advantage, yeah. yep. And I was a fan of that because there was some kind of incentive, but also it was kind of BS because you have pretty much every team being represented at the All-Star game. There's a lot of guys that don't really care. You yeah. Know? I mean, there's maybe 15 teams that actually care about that rule on each, on each side or whatever. So... I can get that point but at least there was some kind of incentive it it, it made it a little more appealing to watch because number one yes it is baseball and i'll watch it if a a lot of like my team are in it like the Milwaukee brewers if there's a lot of brewers represented then sure i'll watch it but will really turn me off to it and i'm gonna slam milwaukee here but when the all-star game was in milwaukee i think it was back in like 2008 2007 it might have been and it ended in a tie
1: yeah, that was, that was not that, good for the game. That, that, that completely
2: um, ruined the all-star game for me. And it's something that's still sick with me because you had that, if you remember that home run derby, Sammy Sosa hit one literally out of the ballpark and it went in the parking lot, hit, hit a car in the parking lot. I don't know like, what the footage was, but you, you never saw it before. So the home run derby was awesome in Milwaukee. And then all of a sudden they play in the game, they use up all the pitchers and they had to call it a draw. And to me, that completely turned me off to the game.
1: Well, that's the thing is that these managers who are having to decide who's pitching when, who's playing when, are also managing the egos and making sure that if you're a pitcher, you're not getting left out. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's kind of changed a little bit to where you now keep a pitcher or two in the tank to make sure this doesn't happen. Uh, But it's it's certainly interesting how that has kind of evolved the, the really big thing that has changed all-star games, and this happened a long time ago, but is it's interleague play. Mm-hmm. Once once interleague play arrived, then you had AL teams playing NL teams all the time. It used to be you'd only see that in the World Series. Mm-hmm. So some of these matchups between pitchers and batters would only happen in the all-star game and the World Series, which is what helped build that is such a huge event. It was more intriguing. Way more intriguing yeah. because you, you had these matchups that you would never get to see. Mm-hmm. I still think it's the best of the All-Star Games. I'll be watching tonight. Mm-hmm. I'll enjoy it tonight. And hopefully the Braves players <laughs> represent well. Well represented, well, two yes. of them are starting, too, so that's pretty exciting. There you go. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I and mean, then, once again, like I'm going to be watching it just because there are some brewers in it. But, um... There's really no solution, though, either. You know, no. I, th- I think baseball just needs the bigger names. You know, like back when I was a kid, it was the Ken Griffey Juniors, the Mark McGuire's, the Barry Bonds, the Sammy Sosa's. Like, that was must-see TV. And for whatever reason, you have, like, the Mike Trout's, you know, and Mike Trout's one of the best baseball players to ever do it, but he's not
1: really that household name. Bryce well, Harper's up there, yeah, but, didn't you know. He make the All-Star game this year. Mike Trout didn't. Uh, oh, b- b- Bryce, Harper. Bryce Harper. Yeah, did. yeah. Mike Trout's oh, going to be there. Like, so many of the highest-paid players yeah. did not make it this year, yeah. but that's... That's certainly part of it. Listen, I want to stay on baseball a little
2: bit okay. for the next segment. Uh, you mentioned pitching. Yep. Justin Verlander. Heard of him. Was very adamant. Yes. And very upset. Oh, boy. About the MLB and the way they're uh, processing these
1: baseballs. Jump into that next. get into that next. All right. And welcome back to ESPN 690. If you're listening in the car, listening on the radio dial, or perhaps you're on one of our social media streams, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. Live on all those right now. So really, you can watch us, listen to us anytime you'd like. And the podcast a little later on this evening. We continue the Major League Baseball discussion. We're talking about the home run derby. We're talking about the, the state of the game. But before we get back into that, let's welcome in one of the faces of Action News Jacks. The great Garrett Beatonball. Yo, yo. You, How might, you, doing, you huh? might know him as the... Weekday mornings, meteorologist uh, filling into the big chair today, right? It's a tall task.
5: <laughs> I tell you, it's a lot of pressure to fill in for the one, the only chief meteorologist, Mike Burish.
1: So you're probably used to hearing that voice telling you what the weather is like. Yeah, and today, guess what? It's hot. Yes. It's humid. Spoiler alert, yep. and some afternoon showers.
5: This time of year is really easy for you, isn't it? Uh, kind of. I mean, you could just like repeat
1: that. Well. Every day, people want Copy to know paste it. the yeah. whole
5: summer. The things that change are the direction, where they're okay. headed, the beaches, where are they wet or they dry, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's you know now we're heating up with the tropics. So be honest, the storm chasing vehicle that you guys have, yeah. how cool is it? And can I ride in it, please? It's pretty cool. You know, we've taken it to get something to eat before. That's always a hit. (laughs) Nice. Um, So we've been to some local eating establishments with that. Um, So that's always a hit. But yeah, you can ride it at any time. You know, it's a little heavy though. Okay, that's
1: fine. I've taken the First Alert Storm Tracker to some high school football games. Okay. And the the thing that I enjoy the most, for those who are not familiar. With the First Alert Storm Tracker, looks cool. For one, it's glorious. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's got a tremendous wrap on it. It's got all yeah. this great weather charting equipment, giant right. satellites, and all this stuff on it. But it's is it reinforced? Like still it is reinforced. It is. It is. Oh, I so like that. So because of all the extra weight, they had to reinforce the frame of this Jeep. Love that. Um, so it is a Jeep, and the coolest part for me is when I'm driving it, and somebody else in a Jeep <laughs> drives by. Mm-hmm. They look at you and they give you this like this Jeep nod, where they're just like. Yeah. you know like that that head nod recognition that says hey fellow jeeper what's going on
2: is it uh do they call it amphibian is it amphibian can it kind of <laughs> go in the water well
5: Uh-oh. funny story <laughs> uh oh we learned during hurricane Matthew yes. that it indeed is susceptible to salt water the engine is and oh. so we have a snorkel on it now it now has a snorkel um lessons so learned. the intake is not coming from the bottom okay it's coming from the top so that there you can go in the water with it it can go
1: to, to some us, pretty good yeah. depths.
5: Oh, we're taking that thing out, man, the next big
1: storm. I drove it in the it, water before. It does go out in, in the Huguenot. big storms. You've also driven it on the beach just for that's, promo shoots. That's correct. When yeah. we first got it. So can yeah. you drive it on Jacksonville Beach?
5: Well, we went to Huguenot. You know, That's okay. where you can drive legally. But can you drive it technically on Jacksonville Beach? Probably not. No. No, no, but, I don't you. think yeah, anyone but, can. Yeah, you guys are the news. You
2: guys are, the, you guys are reporting the weather. You guys are big-time I, stuff.
1: I feel, don't let them tell you differently.
5: I feel as though if it would be frowned upon. That's fine. Um, Jack's Beach.
1: Well, I... I will say, anytime I go to a sporting event, that the Action News vehicle is a universal parking pass. Yeah. Yes. You just roll that thing up on a curb right next to wherever you're going. Absolutely, it's a beautiful thing. Man, I love that. I have to get my hands on that vehicle. Oh, like Coos. When's the ESPN 690 vehicle coming <laughs> around? Do we get
3: one of those? Oh, yeah, we, we were just going too. through the designs uh, oh. the other day.
1: That's, it's gonna
2: spoiler alert. Yeah, it's gonna look pretty sweet. Okay, I'm uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy how the design turned out. A little I'm, ridiculous, but pretty cool.
3: The only thing I contributed to is I want the license plate to say Coos,
2: which was a little <laughs> bit of a flex move on your part. I, I wasn't gonna argue with that. Can
3: we
1: but, just um, can, it, can we have it say Scott instead? I was say like Scott slash Coos.
3: You can go Scott. No, it's all I good, mean, man. But how many how many letters are you allowed to have? On, you know what I mean? Like I it, think five's it, okay. So,
2: so just Scott. Have,
3: yeah, just got no So,
2: d- are we confirmed? Is the license plate gonna
3: be Coos? I doubt that they'll follow through with that. No license is to be <laughs> no here. To him.
1: Probably not. So poor guy, Garrett. Uh, not only a meteorologist, but a big sports fan as well. Go Tigers. Go Clemson Tigers.
2: Oh, uh, I was you something the Detroit Tigers, oh. and I'm sorry about
5: that. The Clemson Tigers. Well, good for you. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Had success. Uh, successful couple of seasons here the past couple of years. What about your baseball team? You got one? Oh, of co- well, I mean... Is Braves? It, is it yeah, I mean, Bra-
0: correct.
1: So what is it with, like, I feel like if you're in northern Florida, yep. obviously South Carolina... If you're yeah. the in the entire southeast of the United States... You're going for the Braves. You're going for the Braves. You used to watch if it on TBS. If you're our age, if you're in your yeah. 30s, because you didn't have the Marlins or the Rays growing up. And plus you had players like Tripper Jones, Greg Maddox, who were... And you had TBS. Yeah. So it was on for everybody.
2: Oh, okay, gotcha. It was, the, the on, it was
1: on for a national audience, and yeah. that's why so many people around the country are Braves fans, and especially here in the Southeast. I know for me, growing up in West Palm Beach, they had spring training there when I was growing up. Yeah. So I'd go to the Braves spring training games every year. Yep. That's where I got hooked before the Marlins were a thing. Well, we mentioned Acuna. Yep. Put a pretty good performance on. He
2: yeah. Actually, the biggest underdog, too, of the night, uh, plus 1200. In case you're interested they in
1: that. They showed the, the shifting odds, Yeah, and he started as the long shot, but by the start of it, he was the third betting favorite. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: They, they probably saw his style, his swag, and figured, yeah, this no guy's going to hit a lot of them. But, uh, you know, so what we're talking about baseball, home runs and everything, and Justin Verlander, who will be starting tonight for the All-Star uh, team that he is on, which will be what? I guess the—is it the— don't leave me off the dry here. What, what team is he playing? He's the National uh, League. He, no, or, no Island, I'm He's the American League. League American yeah, because yeah, he's with Houston. Hello. I got distracted Hello. by the text. Yeah. That'll happen. So yeah. the starting pitcher for the American League um, had this pretty passionate rant that he went on. Uh, I'll just kind of summarize it pretty quick and deal with the expletives here. Uh, you should work around those. Yeah, I know. Because coos, get ready on the dump, coos, get on the dump coos, button. get ready for just that dump case. button, man. We haven't used it a lot, so uh, here we go. But he starts off with, uh, when asked about, you know, because there's been... Uh, there's been a kind of a trend these days where there's gonna be the most home runs ever hit. Uh, this year, uh, they're on pace for it at least, more by more than 600 home runs right now, they're on pace for setting the record with more than 600, so pretty impressive, but Verlander responded by saying, it's an effing joke Major League Baseball is turning into this game uh and it's an absolute joke they own Rawlings, which is the maker of the baseballs, and you've got Manfred up there saying it might be the way they center the pill, they own the effing company if any other $40 billion company bought out a $400 million company, and the product change dramatically. It's not a guess as to what happened. We all know that what happened. Manfred, the last time he came in, what did he say? He said we want more offense. All of a sudden he comes in, the balls are juiced. It's not a coincidence. We aren't idiots. So, not the happiest of campers.
1: Yeah, that's not a a happy guy. No. You know why? Why not? Because he's a pitcher. Well, of course. And, And he's the one who's getting made to look a fool and other pitchers are as well. Yeah. But I mean Garrett people like seeing home runs. That's what I was going to say. People like seeing
5: home runs. They like getting free baseballs out in outfield, right? If you got those cheap seats, you like getting a free a free baseball and it's exciting because let's face it, baseball's been trying to deal with how slow the game is over the past couple of years in the fan base and watching it on TV or being in the park, but if you got something else to make it a little bit more exciting throughout that process, throughout that long time, then why not? But of course the players maybe not well, like that. And by the players, you mean the pitchers. The pitchers, you know. And I think it's only the pitchers.
2: I think you don't hear complaints from you know the first baseman. You don't hear complaints from the catchers. It's just it's the pitchers. And Verlander, I, I respect you, dude. You're a hell of a pitcher, one of the best to ever do it, no doubt about it. But there's the term adapt or die, and that's what you have to do here. It's not like you're pitching the certain kind of balls and everybody else is pitching different ones. I mean, everyone's on the same playing field. field. Listen, when I played back in 2010 for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you started to see the trend where the league geared more towards the quarterbacks, geared more towards the offense. Why? Because points, touchdowns, that's what people want to see. Just like people want to see home runs, people want to see their fantasy football scores go up, people want to see the scores and touchdowns. So as a defensive end, it sucked for me because now I couldn't hit a quarterback low. I couldn't hit the quarterback high. I had to literally adjust the way I played the game just to appease the big wigs because they want to see more points. And that sucks, but that's just the way it is.
1: I will say this. I feel like it's had some unintended consequences that are seriously affecting the game in that everyone is either going for a home run or you strike out trying. You don't see small ball anymore. You don't see people hitting singles and doubles. Heck, you have these situations late in games. You can have a guy lead off with a double, and they have no chance of getting him in because nobody knows how to, to get him to third and then to, to drive him in successfully. Everyone's trying to hit home runs. And so while you might be adding some excitement with the the long ball, I feel like it might be negatively affecting the game.
2: Well, be- look at happened last year, the New York Yankees hit hit dong Leiby's, if you will sure. all the time
1: that's a home run by the yeah, way that, that's oh, a home thanks. run by the way from wisconsin yeah yeah sorry, yep. sorry. that's a um, dong Leiby's.
2: yeah dong Leiby's.
1: learn it use it make it a thing
2: yep make it a thing spread it hashtag it but you see look what happened with the yankees last year and even the twins this year the twins right now i think lead the, the major leagues in home runs and they're a great team you know one of the best records in baseball right now but does that type of play living and dying by the long ball is that going to win you a a playoff game, you know, a playoff series, is don't that going to get so. to the World Series? I don't think so either. No. So, while it is entertaining, while it might be fun to play in, when it's, you know, October and the wins start and the wins and losses really start adding up and everything, you may see a change of style of baseball. I I think you really will. But it is not just a it's not just, you know, coincided with the fact that Major League Baseball bought Rawlings, and now all of a sudden the home runs are up. I mean, there's obviously something
1: to that. Yeah.
2: Is, is that kind of shady on your part
1: or not? I guess. I don't know. I I think that's a little a little conspiracy theorist. I think that's looking into a little too much. I think it's just, they want to see more home runs. I don't think it has to do with the fact that they bought that company. All those things considered, Garrett, you watching the game tonight?
5: Uh, Yeah, I will be, so I'm working late. Usually I go to
1: bed at 7 o'clock, so I'll be able to stay up and watch some of it. The 7 p.m. bedtime can be rough. Seven
5: p.m. bedtime usually huh? when I'm on the morning show. Yeah. What time do you have to get up in the morning? Two fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Bars just closed. <laughs> yeah, man. That's uh. Wow. That's that's, that's, that's rough. That's insane.
2: Isn't it? Yeah. That's that's a rough one.
5: Yeah. Show starts at four thirty. So you know, got
2: to get in. So like, how much homework is, is involved for what you have to do? Like, you get up at two fifteen. Um, what goes into that then?
1: And like, you don't have to share all your secrets, obviously. Well, you know, yeah. I take a shower. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's uh, talk about from a like work perspective. <laughs> you don't wear the same shirt two days in a row, though, do you?
5: No, 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 no. Coos. <clears throat> um, so I get up and I, I I get to work eventually. And then we start forecasting, look at all the models and look at everything that's happening. Like if it's the tropics, what's the trends and the model data coming from day to day? And what do we need to adjust our forecast? We put together our graphics. We send out emails. We do all that stuff. We do radio we do all this stuff, and then the show starts at
1: 4:30. I feel like Coos just comes in and looks at models too, but that's <laughs> different. Well, different. He, he was yelled at that for that before too. Well, that's just watching Game of Thrones Game
2: inappropriate of Thrones. scenes. Um uh, yeah. One more question I have for you in, in, in involving the world of meteorology, because it's something I've always been... I don't want to say I've uh, wanted to do it, but I've always just wanted to go on the board with the green screen oh, and yeah. try it. It's yeah. you know, right next door. We could do that. How hard is,
5: is the green screen to learn? So you get used to it after a couple times. A couple times. It's, it's kind of like a mirror image, and we yeah. have a, a camera in the camera that we're looking at, yeah. and then also two side monitors. Okay. So that's how
1: we know what we're pointing to. Um, we're going to take you there later. Yeah. Well, I have training tonight, but let's do it tomorrow. Another time, yeah. Okay, I thought you meant later tonight. No, like Later. Gotcha. At, a, at a future time. Garrett, what do we got coming up here? We got the news, and you got a little uh, update here at 4, right?
5: Yeah, coming up at uh, 5, we'll be on CBS 47 Action News. Jax, we'll track the storms this afternoon, track the latest with the tropics, the lows over the Gulf, so I'll let you know where it's going. Look at that.
1: He has, to do, he, he has to do that in, like, specific amounts of seconds. He's trained to do it in six seconds, yeah. seven seconds.
5: I just recorded one before I came up. There just a professional, man. I respect oh, it. Thanks so much.
1: All right, check it out. Garrett Beaton Of course, all our great coworkers over at Action News Jacks, starting at 5 o'clock on CBS 47. We'll take a break here on ESPN 690. When we come back, we'll delve back into some more sports. And I think we're done with meteorology for the day. Big question. Where's Russell Westbrook going to go? That's what oh, I want to know. Let's talk about we'll it. get into it next. Hey, welcome back to ESPN 690 on a Tuesday. A nice, glorious Tuesday. Storm's probably rolling in wherever you're at because it's about that time. on a nice summer afternoon.
2: It looks pretty nice outside, man. Well
1: that window. It's a good thing you didn't go to meteorology school. One direction.
2: Okay. Just that's a good band, by the way. One direction. Is it a good band? No, nah, not really. Okay. I was just joking. Yeah. Uh but saw it to Harry Styles, pretty good actor.
1: Have you seen Dunkirk? I haven't. I've I've wanted to and I nearly started it one time and then I got distracted and I went and did something else. Made the biggest mistake of my life watching Dunkirk on an
2: airplane. Uh that's actually when I flew out to Vegas that's for double ter- well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went to history class. I know the story of Dunkirk, but didn't take into uh, didn't really take into consideration the fact that there was a lot of um, airplanes <laughs> during that time as well. Well, I didn't think they're going to showcase the the, the, the dogfighting and whatnot, right? But uh, that they did. And a little spoiler alert and a little uh, pro tip for anybody out there: do not watch Dunkirk if you're flying on an airplane. Just going to say it right there.
1: Or snakes on a plane. Or snakes. Well, see, with that... You never yeah. know when snakes are going to get you out of a plane. I'm going to be honest. I've never even watched Snakes You've on a Plane. have never seen Snakes on a Plane? No. It just didn't do anything for me in the, in the trailers. My favorite part about the about Snakes on a Plane... This is off topic, but... No, you're uh, good. ...is the, the dub for broadcast television of one Samuel L. Jackson line. Okay. Um, the line is, I've had enough of these mf snakes yep. on this mf plane yeah um so they changed it and when you watch it on like tnt i don't think it airs anymore but yeah. i've had enough of these monkey fighting snakes on this monday monkey through friday fight, okay on this monday through friday plane yeah just tremendous my uh, one of the best dub overs of all see, time See, my personal favorite which is a i think
2: a cult favorite would okay. come from the big lebowski yeah when john goodman's character walter zerby chat uh Z- 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 Zerbetrack? Zerbetrack, sorry. Um, is outside smashing, uh, a guy's car. And I'm not gonna repeat what he says, but it's basically this is what happens when you something, something, uh, a stranger, something, something. Yeah. And they had to dub that over and. You know, there's a lot of cursing in it. And instead, the dub-over was, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Which makes <laughs> yeah. zero sense whatsoever. No. But, uh, find yeah, a stranger in the Alps. Find a stranger in the Alps while he's smashing a car. So, okay. Yeah, you got like the dub-overs and everything. Yeah,
1: it's terrific.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. But speaking of snakes, watch this segue. Oh,
1: I was going to try. I one ready, too.
2: Oh, I was, gonna, I was going Kevin Durant with the snakes on the plane. Who
1: played for the?
2: Oklahoma City Thunder.
1: Before the, or after that? Golden State Warriors. Also known as the? dubs oh Boom. the dubs Segway. okay see I, th- I think mine was a little better it would i would mine would have been forced yeah yeah you, I, you, I mean did you, did you do you ever hernia from forcing it that much no that was i do a, this i do this all the time that was a big force but anyways it's literally all i do hey, all the time
2: snakes on a plane dub we're talking russell westbrook here and perfect timing as we're talking russell westbrook joined by my good friend who i saw last night actually marcel how you doing man I'm doing good. How are you doing? Not too bad. I'm recovering. Recovering from what? It's
4: kind of hot outside. Oh, right? I
2: got you. I saw you at uh, our grappling gym last night. Oh, Black Hive, yeah. Black Hive. Yep, yep. Um What's up, man? Didn't want to come train with us.
4: No, 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 no. I, I had just eaten. I know. I'm a. Uh, kinda yeah, excuses. I'm kind of cool peoples with the owner, so yeah. I came by to say hey. Okay. The board.
2: Okay, I, I thought, like, literally, I pull up, I see you there, I'm like, oh, okay, no, we're going to do some uh, drilling today. Nothing no, like that at no, all. No, 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 no. Zero ambitions. No, no, Okay. No, my fighting days are over. Fair enough. But I did see you dribbling a basketball in the in the parking lot. I did. So, I'm, I'm always working on his craft. Fell not encourage him. You don't mean him have a one-on-one coming up eventually. Good. Yeah. Humble him. We'll see what happens. I don't know, man. I saw him dribbling. He's pretty legit. I mean, I know it's going to happen. Oh, goodness.
4: I'm cross I you up like, the like trash that eight-year-old on. I did yesterday. Easy. <laughs> Speaking
2: of cross-up, you see Floyd Mayweather get crossed up yeah, on was, Twitter? bad. Not
4: a good look. Not yeah. a good
2: look for him. First time he's ever really been down, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you should get up and punch the guy. There you go. But uh, we're talking basketball, Marcel, and we're talking Russell Westbrook. Um, first of all, condolences to Oklahoma City Thunder losing Paul George. Um, sorry to hear that, man. Can't be a good time for you. Russell Westbrook. As a fan, do you want to see him stay or is it time for him to go?
4: I mean, of course as a fan I want to see him stay, but at the same time I understand the the climate of the situation at this point now he has to go. I mean, well now he doesn't have to go, but at this point um there's really no it incentive for him to stay. I mean, once I mean just think about that any player once you find out that you're on the trading block that you know, especially for him who he's one of the, well he is the only player that really kind of stuck around, you know, Submitted his loyalty to the city when he had ample opportunities to leave uh, You find out that, you know, I, I chose to stay here when everyone chose to leave and mm-hmm. now I find out I'm on the trading block I mean at that point, it's kind of, you know a foregone conclusion
2: And with him too, it's interesting because it's not like a Kawhi Leonard where I feel like a Kawhi Leonard You put on any single team and they're immediately a contender I mean you saw with the Raptors where the Raptors top to bottom that roster Wasn't really knocking your socks off mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard comes in and wins a championship for them. Mm-hmm. You know, with Russell Westbrook, I feel like his style, the way he plays the game, while it's admirable, it may not necessarily make for the best team game. Sorry I agree with that. I, yeah.
4: I mean, my thing, my thing is, look, I feel like, for one, he he obviously gets a, a terrible rap because of the fact that, that Kevin Durant left and now that Paul George leaves. First of all, two completely, totally different circumstances. But he's always going to be looked at as the guy that, you know, two superstars... Uh, on your team and wanted and wanted to leave to go play somewhere else and they're gonna you know the common denominator is because of you mm-hmm. um, do I, I don't think it do I think his game is is conducive to a championship caliber winning team probably not just because of you know the type of player that he is but I don't think that he he can't go to a competitor like a a contender and help that team
2: and I think we're talking about a competitor. I mean, the team that sticks out for me, and uh Kuz was talking about this too a little bit yesterday. Kuz, that's Driving Dish Podcast coming at you hot. Uh The Houston Rockets are a team that not necessarily can really afford him right now, I feel like. Because we have to remember, with Russell Westbrook right now, it's four years, $171 yeah. million
4: left on that contract. No contender can so, afford
2: him. Yeah, no contender can really afford him. There were some rumors with the Rockets, though, for trades and everything like that. I mean, terrible move. Yeah, could you see him and Harden being reunited? Being off And move. making it work now, just being awful. Right? Yeah.
4: yeah. And, I, and I hear that a lot. Like everyone says that, you know, him and James Harden can reunite. What people fail to realize is that uh, they were two completely, totally different players when James Harden played for the Thunder. James Harden was the sixth man, which, for the record, by his choice, he wanted to remain the sixth man. He didn't want to start, but he wasn't this. Uh, you know, isolation ball kind of guy that he is now. Now he doesn't want to give the ball up, mm-hmm. um, and you obviously you can't have two ball dominant. You know, players like that on the same team, especially to who just really just don't want to share the basketball. So I think
2: if you look at the the current situation in the NBA right now, you look at the teams. Um, he has to go to a to a young team because I, I do think he gets a bad rap sometimes because the way he plays, but he also gives everything he has. All right, like and, and, and that kind of play is contagious, and mm-hmm. a, a young team would benefit from that. So I think there's maybe like four or five teams out there that he could go to. Um, where it would work out a little bit And uh, we're coming to the segment Close here pretty soon I want to tease that a little bit We'll talk about it a little bit next break But um actually a team that Some Jacksonville people might be interested in as well oh. For a little tease uh, <coughs> Orlando Magic We'll talk about that after the break here And see if they can somehow swing Russell Westbrook
1: they just have to big, And what it would mean uh, for the franchise happen with uh, Vucevic and uh, Terrence Ross coming back We'll see man We'll see what happens oh. we gonna talk about that next ESPN 690. Stay tuned. Welcome back to ESPN 690. Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber here, along with Austin Lane and fellow Action Sports Jackser, Marcel Robinson. As long as our man Koo's back there, he's he's rocking and rolling as well. We
2: have... uh we we've we've acquired a dry erase marker. Yep, I got uh, that for you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank and you. You also, new the, you also got me the eraser too, man. So you're yeah. really you're a big con- you're a big con- contributor to the uh, whiteboard magic, if you will. I like to
1: make things shine.
2: Yeah, and if you're interested in seeing what I'm writing, feel free to watch us on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh or something else that I don't even know exists yet because it seems like every single day there's something new out there. Who's find us something new to strangers. Vine on. Could, could we bring Vine back? We'll bring a little back. Bit? Let's bring Vine back. It's, but, coming, uh, it's coming back. I wrote and I think you guys would agree with me here. Downward nod for strangers, upward nod for homies. Facts. Yep. I like it. Yeah. I mean. Sure. Kind of hit it right on the head, right? which way's the Jeep nod go? Oh that's that's upward nod all day. Or else people are just so intimidated that they kind of look
4: away from it because they can't handle Very it. Very true. Yeah. See, I actually have something to add to that though. What do you because got? Because I think with the with the strangers, I think you have a couple more branches off. Like okay. it's, for me, it's kind of a generational thing. Like if I feel that you are in you know my generational kind of area, then you might get the, you know the, the the up nod. But I, yeah. if you're if you seem to me like you're say 42 and old and older yeah and then you get the down line.
2: okay so is it more like a matter of respect would you say like so for Yeah, elders? It's, okay. kind of,
4: it's kind of like you know uh, you a straight it's like, line that you're going on huh 42. no he's, he's really thought about this yeah. so i appreciate it now, now if you're at the golf course it's always down
2: all right so let me ask you this one then marsh lessons from the topic right now real <laughs> riveting stuff handshakes if, if you meet a stranger in person they say what's up to you you know you can do the handshake whatever you want to do do you go in for the hug Mm, or depends do, on the vibe. Do,
4: okay. Depends on the vibe.
2: Depends on the vibe. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. The vibe. See, the vibe. and then like to me, I mean, listen, and <laughs> you think it's stupid, but it's, no, no, a, no. it's a big deal. No, I'll yeah, no, I agree. Uh a couple days ago, and there was a new guy there. He's like, Oh, Lane, what's up, man? I love the show. I'm like, Oh, thanks. He comes in and I'm not the most aggressive handshaker to hugger, and I just and I'm sweaty. So that's two things working against the, the gentleman. And he's my age, too. So he comes up to me. I put my hand out. We do the handshake. But then he brings me in closer. It yeah. was like it was a, it was a little hug. bit of, a,
1: of an awkward yeah. Yeah, a little bro hug, man. Had to yeah. go with it. Yeah. I, uh, I had to go with it. Yeah. I had to go with it. I saw Josh Evans the other day at an establishment straight into the bro hug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because you got to know. You got to know the the feel, the vibe. For I uh, would agree with Marcel on that. For a psychology class in
2: college, our teacher had us try this. And it's cool. Next time you're in public, try this with some of your friends. You know, like when you're going for a handshake, you put your hand out. Yeah. So put your hand out. And do something. Okay, so like this. But don't do anything with it and just watch what they do. Uh, this is weird. It, it, it's the most awkward yeah. thing ever because people are, it's called muscle memory, dude. Yeah. Like people have their go-to, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, like Mine's the, a handshake. Yeah, yours is a handshake. I kind of go to this. a handshake. But normal. I'm telling you, the next time you go out in public with your friends, sure. you say, what's up, man? Just keep your hand out right there like that and just keep your hand out straight. Don't do anything and watch what the other person does. Okay. It'll be the most awkward thing ever. And some people won't even say anything. What if you don't want to do an awkward thing? Uh, you it's just, just want it's to This is a fun social experiment, okay. man. I'm just, t- you know, whatever. Yeah. So social experiments are big, especially on Twitter.
1: Radio fodder as yeah. well.
2: Yep. But speaking of social experiments, yes. I teased a little you bit did. that Russell Westbrook, I think, for the money, might be a, an interesting fit in Orlando. Um, but the question comes, what do you have to give up for him? Um, The Orlando Magic made the playoffs last year with a pretty young team. Uh, Vujicic was also a big part of that. But if you're talking Russell Westbrook to trade for him, I mean, I think you have to give up pretty much your whole entire roster. And that's going to include Aaron Gordon, who I think has made some steps. You know, he he got a new contract. He's not the household name yet. The dunk contest helped him out a lot, I think. But I think going forward, he's definitely the guy they want to build around. And I just don't know if it's feasible if you want to move all your young talent from Orlando and take a gamble on Russell Westbrook.
1: That's the that's the difficult thing when you're talking about acquiring a guy like Russell Westbrook is most of these teams have plans. You know, your plan – and they can be very different types of plans. They can be uh, – you know, we have these great veteran leaders that we have. We have these great nucleus of young players that we have. How many of them – would have someone like Russell Westbrook in their plans. because he is he's a unique cat. He is an he is an individual. There isn't another Russell Westbrook in the NBA.
2: Mm-mm. Without a doubt. No? Yeah, and I don't I mean I guess you, you have to call it a risk because it's no doubt you, a risk. Yeah, yeah, well you have to adjust the team to him, but at the same time, I mean, you know what you're getting with him. You're getting a guy that's gonna put hundred percent in everything that he does. I mean, as far as injury history is concerned There might be a little, um, three year operations. Yeah. So there's a red flag there as well. 34 years old. But we're, we're in the league now where it's, you have to acquire these free agents to win championships, just the way it is. Now, ideally, what you want to do is build through the draft like the Golden State Warriors did, win one like that. But then what do they do? They got Kevin Durant. They got Boogie Cousins. That didn't really work out too well, but, they got these free agent guys So I think the there, there's there been a shift of, of the way how to do things on the NBA Where you can't really build the draft anymore You have to rely on these high-priced free agents Or these these superstars that can get traded So while the Magic are intriguing I mean, I necessarily don't think It's the smartest decision for what they want to do Because, once again, you're giving up A lot of young talent Which uh, I don't think they want to do right now A few other teams that are possible The Miami Heat um, Also a terrible move Terrible move. Why do you say, cause Jimmy Butler? Exactly. Uh, so that's the problem. Jimmy. See, and this is the thing. I was on the Jimmy Butler bandwagon where when he closed the gym doors in Minnesota and he took a, a bunch of bench players and went directly at Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. He went directly at Andrew Wiggins and said, this is my team. Um, I can beat you regardless of who I am, I'm, you know, in the practice. And he did. Um, I respected that. And I guess I didn't think of, the consequences that would stem from it because here's a guy that proved that he cared by doing all that stuff you know closed the gym doors throughout the GM, throughout the head coach whatever and that shows that he cares about the team. but then at what cost did that come because guess what? he ended up leaving for Philadelphia mm-hmm. you know and then you saw it happen in Philadelphia where I think top to bottom this past year, I think Philly had maybe the most talent the, the, the most starting talent in the NBA. Um, with Embiid, Simmons, um, Butler, and they couldn't get it done. And there was a lot of people saying that Butler was a big cause of those problems.
4: You, so you know, for me, I, for me, I felt like Jimmy Butler was probably at least for Philly. There, if because every team needs, like when you come in those clutch situations, every team needs a guy where they can put the ball in his hand and say, "Look, we're down one. We need you to go get a bucket." Ben Simmons can't shoot the ball. Uh, You don't really know what you're going to get out of Joel Embiid. Obviously, he's going to get double, you know, in those clutch types of situations. Mm -hmm. Um, Jimmy Jimmy Butler has always been that guy. I love everything about his game. The problem I have with um, him potentially playing with Russell Westbrook in Miami is because most of these teams, uh, obviously to be a contender of some sort or to even make any noise in the playoffs, even first round, you have to have at least two stars on your team. But 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 even but more than that, having those two stars, you have to have one of those guys who is ready and willing to occasionally defer. Like take that step back. Mm-hmm. And that and that's why people say it didn't work between KD and Russ. Well, it worked with Russ and P G because P G occasionally would defer to Russ and after a certain amount of time Russ would do the same thing. Um Going to a new place, obviously, when you go to a new spot, you go somewhere and you say, look, I got to show my worth immediately. I got to put my stamp on this organization immediately, especially if I'm a vet. The reason that Jimmy Butler went to Miami or wanted to go to Miami or somewhere like Miami is so he could be the guy and have his team because he's never been, quote unquote, the guy, even when he was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And him and Miami, that's his team. There's no one else really there to to contend with him. You put him and Russ on the floor at the same time, it's going to be problems.
2: Well, let me ask you this from the from a Thunders a Thunder fan's perspective though. Thunder buddies for life. Thunder buddies for life. If you were if if he was to go to Miami, um you're looking at maybe getting like Justice Winslow, maybe Goran Dragić, who I think is one of the most underrated point guards in the NBA. I mean, and then he, obviously some probably first-rounders in mm-hmm. the next couple of years or so. I mean, from from a Thunder fan, would you feel that's adequate enough or let me present with this other uh idea here with another team, the Timberwolves. You have Andrew Wiggins here who's set to make over $122 million over four years, so a little less than what Westbrook was making, but still a pretty um, high price tag. A former first-round pick hasn't really found his stride yet, to mm-hmm. say the least, especially for for, uh, for the first pick of the draft. Would you be more satisfied with maybe seeing Wiggins get traded for Russell Westbrook? Westbrook goes to Minnesota, plays with Carl Anthony Towns, a, an athletic big man, which Westbrook has never really seen before uh, on his team uh, a guy you can run a pick and roll with. Oh, Steven um, Adams. Yeah, but with all due respect to Steven Adams, he's not hitting the three ball. You know, he's he's not really a prolific scorer like Karl Anthony Towns is. Yeah, I'm saying. So to me, it'd be like Steve Nash and Stoudemire back in the day. Like you, you could do a lot of interesting things. Not nothing against Steven Adams. Steven Adams is a great player, but he's no KAT. Okay. Team, okay? Mm-hmm. So would you rather, as a fan, get Wiggins or would you rather get Justice Winslow? And Goran Dragic, and then some first-round picks.
4: Honestly, I think probably probably Wiggins is is maybe the more likely of those to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. It's not going to be a straight-up deal. There are obviously some. Oh no, be some there'll, picks there'll, be, uh, there'll be a lot of picks involved. Um, but I also feel like because um, there's been flashes of what Wiggins can be, I, I feel like that would probably attract more interest for someone like Sam Presty, who who's come up through kind of the Spurs organization. He kind of has that similar mindset of. You know, it's it's a a team thing. There's never really like no just one guy type of thing. Um, I feel like Wiggins could come in and, and adding on with some of the, the younger players, up-and-coming players that they have, and I also feel that Andrew Wiggins is coachable, which is going to be the biggest thing, especially for someone like Billy Donovan to um, to be able to keep say, in Oklahoma
1: City. And that's what I was about to pop in with, is that Billy Donovan's best years in Florida, his best teams in Florida, consisted of a team. There wasn't a one guy that was a superstar. Sure, those guys went on to great NBA careers, Mm -hmm. uh, which showed that they had the talent, but they were all averaging 10 a game. They were all able to have a different guy contribute each time so certainly uh, a fun discussion on yeah. some nba and we'll, we'll, and we'll of keep course, it rolling
2: yeah and of course there's always the knicks too but who really wants to go play for the knicks uh,
1: uh-huh. no one, nobody yeah <laughs> all right good stuff there talking some nba we're taking a break here but when we come back we've got a special guest joining us and we're talking about the landscape of college sports here in jacksonville some big news out there today uh we'll have a special guest join us next on espn 690 Hey, welcome back into the show. It's those long summer days, and you're always hoping that some news kind of breaks and you have something to talk about on on days like this. And while here in Jacksonville, we certainly do today. Uh, some big news coming from the folks of Edward Waters College. If you're not familiar with Edward Waters College, well, you're about to learn quite a bit about it right now as we are joined by Paul Bryant, the athletic director for the EWC Tigers. Paul, how's it going?
0: It's going well. How are you all doing?
1: Doing fantastic. Doing doing great. So big news today coming from you guys and specifically from the SIAC, which is the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, extending an invitation to Edward Waters to join its conference membership. Uh, Really big news because that's an NCAA Division II uh, conference. And as of right now, EWC competes in the NAIA. So huge news for you guys as you look forward to uh, making that move in the near future and getting a chance to compete with a lot of teams that people certainly have heard of in those circles.
0: Yes, it is. It is uh, uh, very big news. And, you know, part of the process uh, when when you're going into uh, looking to go into Division II, the hardest, one of the hardest part. Of getting in is finding a conference and we were blessed today to to have a unanimous vote by presidential council of the SIEC to be uh to be a part of that conference so as we move this step forward uh that is just one hurdle that we crossed and and we crossed that out so it's, it's exciting for us and uh, uh and I know under President Faison's uh vision we're going to do more more big things
1: and and there are certainly precursors to this happening, and anyone who was paying attention, I don't know how long it was, a month or two, when EWC released its schedule for football for this upcoming season, you could kind of see this in the works because they decided they were going to become an independent for the upcoming year, not play in a conference for 2019, but – added all of these games against these division 2 and some division 1 teams all these teams that currently play in the SIAC teams like Morehouse, Tuskegee, Savannah State, Miles these teams that are are known for having an amazing game day environment having that HBCU terrific on the field and off the field product and that's what EWC strives for so really the groundwork kind of had been laid and this is just that that next natural progression
0: Yes, you're exactly right. Uh, I would say uh, the the previous administration they they did an excellent job at at uh, coordinating that schedule and and you know connecting with the SIEC to to get uh, get the schedule done. And so as we move forward, now we're seeing the competition that we're going to be playing every week, and this gives us a a, a bit of a gauge to see where we are and see where we need to improve. So it's an exciting time, and I, I know. Uh, our young men will will compete and compete well
2: hey what's up paul it's austin Land, man how you doing
0: all right how are you
2: doing i'm I'm doing fantastic so when we're talking about edwards waters college getting um you know that d2 nod now how big is that for recruiting especially for football being in jacksonville being in the state of florida which is really a gold mine for the sport just how big is that for you guys going forward now
0: this is huge because we will be the only uh, HBCU Division Two program in the state of Florida. And now we're able, uh, just imagine all the athletes, not only in football, but in general where we'll be able to get out and recruit uh, top-tier uh, athletes and have them come to uh, Edward Waters and, and, again, just put us on a different level. And that's what we're looking to do.
1: And I think one of the the really cool things is that all the timing of this is going to coincide perfectly because they're going to build that on-campus stadium so that the games can be played at Edward Waters College not at an off-site, you know, an off-campus uh, site. And by the time you guys are really cranking it up and, and going full membership in Division 2, that's all going to come to fruition to make this amazing game day environment where you're going to have the teams and you're going to have it right there on campus.
0: Absolutely, and and that's the vision of President Faison. So that's what I was talking about. If you if you really look at it, is like you said, the timing is perfect. So we start our Division Two schedule, then we put in a uh, we put in our application. Say that we start the process then we have a stadium on our campus that whole atmosphere i can only imagine what the atmosphere is going to be on our campus having all of our students just have to walk over from their dorms and faculty and staff there to support i i think this is going to be the game day environment that we're looking for and remember we're although it's a football game it's about some entertainment it's about game day experience and so we're going to give that that full game day experience right there on campus once the stadium is built
1: Oh yeah, of course you got the Triple Threat band over there that's going to be bringing it every Saturday in the fall. It's always fun to see them performing and as you make this transition, it's not a quick transition moving to Division 2. And as you mentioned, it's it's not one that's only football. I mean, every sport is making this move uh with the university, with the Edward Waters College is making that advancement up to division two you have this experience i know you're new here at ewc you just joined Don, but you were hired because of your experience at the division one at the division two level working with historically black colleges and universities so you have that experience what do you foresee is kind of the the biggest challenge a challenge that i know you guys are excited to take on yeah
0: i think the biggest challenge is is really getting the support of our alums, getting the support of our community as we make this transition. Uh, and I was saying earlier today, we just need, our biggest challenge will be getting the resources. So we ask that you all come and support EWC in our mission and our vision because we're going places. And I, I tell you, the vision that President Faison and the and the bishops of the church that they have is amazing. This The time is now. If you talk about making an investment, and the time is now. EWC is the is the stock that you got to buy. EWC is it right now.
1: And I think the great thing, too, for our community of, of northeast Florida and our listening area, the folks who are listening right now on ESPN 690 or watching the streams on Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, is that we already have a couple of NCAA programs in our area. We've got two Division I teams in UNF and Jacksonville University. We also have a Division II team down in St. Augustine with Flagler College. And adding another Division II squad in this area is certainly going to benefit all of those teams when it comes to scheduling. If you're talking about all these other sports of baseball, basketball, softball, volleyball, all these events – uh, you're now having a more viable team that you can schedule in Edward Waters College.
0: You're right, and uh, that's what when we began to talk about this, that was one of the things that we looked at our scheduling, our travel time, and, and you know uh, one of the things that we try to do to eliminate a uh, time miss for our student athletes in the classroom. So this will assist in that in that effort. So again, this is something that uh, that we did talk about. Uh, prior to making this change
1: yeah and that, that conference is a perfect fit for that too with the SIAC I mean you talk about that that natural rivalry Savannah State I mean that's that's going to be the big one right
0: <laughs> it is and you know you, you saw a little bit of it today as we began to do our roundtables and round Robin interviews just how uh, the, the coaches began to talk a little bit the players. And that's going to be a natural rivalry, and that's what we're looking at, a regional rivalry that that we can have against an institution that will, that will make people want to come out and, and just watch the game.
1: All right, this is Paul Bryant, the athletic director for Edward Waters College. Congratulations, by the way, to you and everybody over there on, on this momentous occasion. This is terrific news, not just for EWC, but also for the city of Jacksonville. So a big congratulations to you guys
0: thank you so much we certainly appreciate it all right thank
1: you so much for calling in that was paul bryant the director of intercollegiate athletics at ewc and we'll certainly talk more about it as as that process continues for the tigers as they move forward and put in that paperwork to become an ncaa program i think it's just great news for the city of jacksonville and people should get excited about it. I mean, it's another team, another group that you can go and support. Well, it's another team,
2: another group, but also, I think it's another showcase of where you can keep the Jacksonville players, the football, high school football players, local. And we have you know? so
1: many of them, too.
2: Well, exactly. You know, I mean, like, listen, I, I came from a state that didn't have Division II football. It was either Wisconsin or bust, basically. You know? yep. You'd be playing D3. Um, I would have loved to play Division II if I had the opportunity. You know, I mean, I ended up going to Murray State. It all worked out. But I think for, you know, some of these kids where Jacksonville is such a big showcase for high school football but maybe some of the kids aren't the most developed yet maybe they aren't the most um you know finely tuned yet but they have a lot of potential well now as opposed to maybe going out of state going to a d2 or d3 program now you can come you know to jacksonville and uh you can play d2 ball so that's that's exciting from a football standpoint i think it's exciting from their band standpoint because their uh, band by the way is already awesome (laughs) and, 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 and i'll be honest i mean the only um the reason I've heard of them is because they used to play like the, the big showcase, uh, I think it was like back in 2010 or 11 when I first got to Jacksonville. I remember they were like at like the, the big showcase, uh, I think it was in Atlanta. And, um, so that's going to help the band out too, you know, and, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily the best thing when probably the band's the most well-known thing, but, uh, when you go D2, things start to rise up a little bit, you got start to be on the same kind of playing level. Well, so, no doubt. It's and, good for everybody.
1: Yeah, and Coach Ruffin has done a, a terrific job since taking over there of really keeping those local guys here in Jacksonville and playing for that team. A great example of that is uh, the quarterback, Derek Jones. Mm-hmm. We know him as Noodle, Yeah, uh, played at Lee High School. He's a stud. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he wanted to stay here and be a part of this program I mean, guys like that are going to get rewarded with these great games, this great schedule upcoming, and an amazing future for EWC. So. And,
2: of course, you have to talk about the scholarships, too. Well, well, it is D2, so you're not going to see a lot of full rides, per se. But, um, you know, you, you might see like a 50% offer, a 40% offer. It's a step and, up
1: from NAIA. And that's and I'm going to sure. be
2: honest, man. Be, being a high school kid who may not come from, you know, the, the best background or, um, you know, who may have to take a job to afford going to an NAIA school or D3 school, well, now you get a little money in your pocket. So that's a good thing as well.
1: All right, good discussion there about Edward Waters College. We're actually going to keep the local college athletics discussion going next as we talk about the only school in the state of Florida to don Under Armour. Ah, a little news mm. broke on that today. We'll talk about that coming up next, right here on ESPN 690. And welcome back into ESPN 690. Stuart Weber here all week filling in for Brent Martineau as he is on vacation, enjoying that last little bit of time off before football
6: season.
2: School's about well to start again, Martineau. Better get ready. It really is. Better, better get your school clothes in order, better get your new shoes in line, because it's starting up, man. Oh. And we're almost to football season, we so are. get your mind right.
1: You really do need to, because it's coming. Yeah,
2: I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to expect. Obviously, it's is my first year going into football season, but... It'll be, be fun. It'll
1: be your best one ever as a member of the media. First one and best one. The first one's always the
2: best one, as they say. No one says that actually. Nobody. nobody. No one. No one's in the history of quotes. No one has ever said that until today. ESPN 690, Austin Lane. So How you did. Doing? I did. There it yes, is. Yes, there we did.
1: But uh, you mentioned a little, a little teaser. A little was, little uh, teaser. Was A good one. Mentioned so, Under Armour. Under Armour is coming to Jacksonville. Ju or UNF. Under Armour is teaming up with the University of North Florida okay, to equip the Ospreys nineteen varsity sports with on field and off field training gear. And in doing so, uh, UNF becomes the only division one school in the state of Florida to don Under Armour.
2: And the rest, I assume, is Nike. Yeah. One 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 with I mean, the there One or the other. I yeah. mean,
1: Florida is Jordan. Okay, yeah. That's uh so right. Nike obviously is the the dominant force. Yeah. If you want to say it that way. Uh but Under Armour picks and chooses its spots. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you you've seen the visibility with the Maryland Terrapins for so long. That's that was their their flagship, their starter. Uh but the Auburn Tigers as well wearing the the Under Armour and they continue to grow their brand and in doing so they enter a market in a state that they didn't have a university in yeah, and it gets to be UNF so me and Under Armour kind of go way back
2: uh, if you will Um, it's kind of a love-hate relationship really because you have to remember back in 2010 Under Armour was big in making like Um, you know, like under, like, it would be like, uh, like, spandex. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you very much. It's a dry fit. So like the, the stuff you wear underneath like your football pads or underneath like your gym shorts, like Under Armour was just known for that. And it was the best. I mean, you know, you had Nike and Adidas compression shorts, but the Under Armour ones for whatever reason were the best I thought, my opinion. So Under Armour was big. Well then... Let's fast forward to, from high school to college now. I go to college. Uh, thankfully we were a Nike school. So, um, but we were D1 double So we got two pairs of cleats a year. You had to make them work. Uh, didn't get any more. So funding was a little low on D1 double A at the time. I'm sure it's better now since Quincy Williams was drafted in the third round. I'm sure all eyes are on Murray State football now to get all the cleats that they want. But let's fast forward to the Combine now. Thanks, Quincy. Thank you, Quincy, very much. Uh, let's fast forward to the Combine now and then the Senior Bowl, and that's where Under Armour really first made its stake. Um, they started to make cleats. Uh, they started to make gloves, you know, like receiving gloves. And at the time, since they're trying to make a big splash, they're looking for athletes coming out of college, getting ready to get drafted. But they wanted athletes who, who were either, A, freaks of nature, um, or B, unique. And, and I say the word unique, and I guess like, and this is what they use with me because they're interested in giving me an endorsement deal. And, you know, usually how it works in the NFL is once you sign on to a team, once you get drafted, you sign a an endorsement deal through their Nike, um, Under Armour. At the time it was Reebok, but I think Reebok kind of fell off now, so it's either Under Armour or Nike. And it's a it's a basic standard rookie contract. Basically, you say you get all the the free gear you want. You have to pay taxes on it, but I mean, you get a good deal on it. Cool. Well, Under Armour was willing to actually give me all that and then offer me a, like a, a paycheck as well to, to wear their stuff. So I, I was all for it. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, um, that, that's a no-brainer. Mind you though, this is the first year they're making football cleats. So now let's fast forward to the Senior Bowl. And, um, this was the first time Under Armour sponsored the Senior Bowl. Now it's Reese's, but at the time it was Under Armour. And, you know, obviously everything at the Senior Bowl is Under Armour they're sponsoring it, right? So we we all got like these free uh cuz I was on the north team so we got these free north cleats if you will and they're they're blue and they look pretty cool. But I put them on and immediately I was like Oh, no. Absolutely not. There, there's no way I'm going to be wearing these cleats for the game. There, there is no way. And I'm not trying to talk smack, but listen, it was their first year they are making cleats. They probably didn't have, uh, you know, the the best technology. I mean, they're, they're they're new to the game, and needless to say, these cleats weren't working. So much to the fact, and I'm not going to name drop any names here, oh boy. but there there's a few guys on the North roster who already signed their Under Armour contracts, who Under Armour was going to give them full endorsements to, to wear their gear, and they are making a lot more money than I was set to make from under armor they didn't want to wear the cleats either they wanted to wear nike cleats and what ended up happening was there was almost a boycott on the north team and i assumed the south team was just the same but we all decided hey we're wearing nike cleats because they're a lot more comfortable um than under armor and it got so bad where like the under armor executive came in the locker room and yelled at us and was like, this is the Under Armour Senior Bowl. I don't want to see any Nike cleats. If you're with Under Armour, you wear Under Armour cleats. Well, I didn't sign with them, so I didn't care. But there were some guys who were not happy that they had to wear the Under Armour cleats in the Senior Bowl.
1: Well, for you guys, that was a big chance. to. You needed to perform at your absolute best. Yeah, and yeah, the last you thing, be the last thing I want to be worrying
2: yeah. about is, you know what? My feet don't feel right in these cleats. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big deal, and I, and I get to some people. I might sound like a prima donna here, but uh, you have to understand. I mean, when you're used to wearing something on your feet your entire football career, and you have, to, you have to change it up at the last second to showcase your skills at the Senior Bowl on national television? My first time on ESPN? Yeah, guess what? I'm, I'm wearing Nike cleats. So long story short, I basically went up to my agent and said, hey, I appreciate the Under Armour opportunity. Uh, I think it would be a cool thing, but I can't rock the cleats. And if I can't rock the cleats, I'm not going to get the endorsement. So I went with Nike instead. Well, they have since improved.
1: Of course they have, yes. Obviously, that yes. was only their first year. Yeah. And so now they're coming to Jacksonville with the University of North Florida. When you talk about recruiting and talking about bringing people in, how big is that, that name, that brand, that recognition of, oh, we wear this? I know for the University of Florida, when they made the move, uh, from Nike to Jordan, it was obviously with the, the mind of recruiting. The same thing with Michigan as well, I think. Same thing. Yes. So you have to think that that plays into this for UNF to to want to be that that one team in the state of Florida in D1 that's wearing sure. that.
2: Yeah, and you know, and I'm not hitting under armour by any means. I, I still wear some of their compression stuff today. Um, don't really rock a lot of their. I don't wear cleats anymore, <laughs> but. uh
1: Oh, and and I see. yeah, Stewart's Stewart's on board with some uh, Under Armour shoes right now. He's rocking. So second second straight pair of shoes that I bought that I bought from them. I just think they're really comfortable.
2: Okay, well there you go. There's your endorsement right there. Under Armour. Comfort is key. Cut the check. But yeah, it does make a difference. Um, if you're a Nike school, if you're an Under Armour school. Listen, when I was getting recruited, I didn't have a choice because I didn't have a lot of options. But I'm talking like the top tier recruits. Absolutely. If, if it's Nike, if it's Jordan, if it's Under Armour, it makes a giant difference. There's a reason why Orion for so long got a lot of recruits, um, to go in the middle of, you know, the woods basically to play football because Phil Knight, the CEO of Orion is, uh, has close ties there. I'm the CEO of Oregon. The CEO of Nike has close ties to Oregon, and they always got, like, the freshest gear. They got the, the the newest models of cleats and the newest models of gloves and everything. So, yeah, of course that's a recruiting tool. Now, I'm not really sure. I don't keep my ear to the ground too much in terms of how big Under Armour is now, how big Nike is now. I think Under Armour's made actually more of a splash in basketball with, like, Steph Curry and things like that than they have in football. I mean, you have Cam Newton that sticks out to me with football. Um you know, there's obviously a lot more that I'm missing, but I think from a recruiting tool, if you're the only school in Florida that has Under Armour,
1: you know what it does? It sets you apart, and that's important. I know this is not a coincidence, but as I pop onto Twitter, uh, the first ad pops up for Adidas. They must have seen that I'd clicked, clicked on a link or something Yeah. looking through stuff, and they're like, oh, we need to target some shoes at this guy. Big brother's always watching, man. Always watching. Yeah. It's, it's a little creepy, but also funny. Um, and, and as we kind of wrap up this topic… This is a big deal for a school like the University of North Florida because anywhere you can get that revenue from promotional deals like this, from uh, partnerships like this, it's huge when you're a Division One program that doesn't have football. Yeah. And and that's, that's where UNF is at right now. I mean, basketball is their main revenue producer. And that's where Under Armour I think is at right now is basketball. And they're really targeting that right now. So it's a great move for UNF. I'm excited to – to see how it all looks on them, and I'm excited for the players because they all get new new swag. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe the media does too. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. How they look in the Under Armour, and yeah. then we'll see if they're able to protect this house. No, it- do they still Is use that? that I anymore? don't know if that's still a thing. Been, that was a long I'll be time honest, ago, man. That,
2: that, was, that was a long was time ago. There some ago. real intense commercials. Like, oh yeah, for reason that everyone's in a warehouse in those commercials all the time, and like they're not like a, at a modern day YMCA. They're all like old school training with like tires slipping tires and sledgehammers on tires and stuff um, I think Ray Lewis was there um, some other players I think Patrick Willis might have been in one of those commercials as well so yeah you talk about uh, some intense marketing uh, from Under Armour
1: for sure that was it by the way Kuz has posted it onto the Facebook page for ESPN 690 let us know what's your go to sportswear we want to know
2: and when I was a senior in high school did I say we must protect this house a couple times uh, oh gosh, yes yeah so you know what props to Under i was kind of hating on him a little bit in college but high school man i was hooked so beautiful props all to right. Under hey when we come back uh, on the show here i want to switch gears a little bit and i, I want to talk about gritty performances um because there's one that just happened literally a couple days ago um that just kind of got brought to light when i anchored with a sore throat yeah oh, well was there is that too but gritty. i want to talk about some of uh, that gritty performance and i want to talk about the most gritty performances of all time in sports Check it out next on ESPN
1: 690. Oh, I like that. That's how you get into a segment right there. Beautiful.
2: Well, it's kind of fitting. We're going to talk about the most grittiest performances of all time. We yeah. are. Um, and feel free to call in if you have your own gritty performance uh, from your favorite
3: pro athlete. or. We maybe, should also probably say it's not gritty the mascot.
2: Not gritty the mascot. Um not really... A.K.A. Nightmare. If not you really interested in your people calling about their high school grittiness of so maybe they threw the game-winning
1: conference touchdown I, with uh, a bum ankle. I turned I turned my ankle in my last ever high school cross-country meet. Uh, <laughs> are you, you going to put that in the gritty category? No, I, okay, I, I was good. awful. I, okay. I finished, like, fifth from last, and uh, we didn't advance to listen, the states because of that. And I'm going to be honest. It still stings me to how, this day.
2: How, 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 okay, so how far do you have to run in cross-country? It's 5K. It's 3.1 miles. Okay, so I can do that. I mean, not fast, but I, I can run three miles. I'm cool with that. Um, So I did it in, like, the first quarter mile. The word cross-country and gritty may have never, ever been used in the same... What well, you mean, like, someone had know. a... I don't know about that, man. If Go got it, I'm telling it you. it's really hot outside and somebody was struggling? Were they, were they dehydrated?
3: No, but when you got to run really far, like in general, to me, that's like you just got to, you know, bite down and get it, you know? But three miles? Oh, no, not There's three miles. There's a lot
1: of people that can't run three miles. There's You'd a lot of football players that can't run three miles. Oh,
2: no, trust me. If I was if I ran high school cross-country right now, I'd probably finish
1: last. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not saying not calling to, the first place I'm winner, not calling. Pretty. I'm not calling what I did heroic. Okay. but I am. At least we established um, that. But... But let me ask you this. I still had to battle through that injury and run the rest of the race and finished in like 22 minutes or whatever it was. Okay.
3: Which is way faster than I would do. Well, I was miles. normally
1: in the 17s at that oh, point. Yeah, so
3: so, nope. F- but, f- but for example, right? The Gate River Run. Um, yeah. Two years ago when I was I was in it, I paid attention to it. So I know the winner did the run in like 45 minutes.
1: That's a 15K, by the way. That's a
3: 15K. 9.3 yeah. miles. Yeah. That's, that's gritty.
2: Yeah. I mean, the winner of the Boston
3: Marathon. Right. Gritty.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, running a 5K mar- when you hit like mile in the woods, mile 20 <laughs> on a marathon, that's gritty. Just saying, a 5K in the woods maybe not the most grittiest thing. But hey, what do I know? Just saying, there. You know, we were saying what was mine. You, and you, that you brought this up. That was I mine. said I don't
2: want your high school stories. And Stuart, y- your own fallback was to go back to cross country, which I never thought I'd hear in the gritty category. But here we are. But hey, listen. There's gritty, a reason why we're grit talking about grit. In all things. There's a reason why we're talking about grit right now, and this is actually tied to my balling and falling for the day. Okay, good. And it's obviously like it. balling. And um, yesterday I talked about the UFC fights a little bit, and mo- it was mostly about Jorge Masvidal. Which I thought had the, probably the KO, um, the best KO ever in the UFC history. But I mentioned Thiago Santos a little bit. And at the time I said, I think he might have, you know, hurt his knee, but the results weren't in. Well, check this out. In the first round, uh, against John Jones, who is arguably the best MMA fighter of all time ever. Um, Santos tore his ACL, tore his MCL, tore his meniscus, tore his PCL, and then also strained something in his other leg. And he did that in the first round. Ended up finishing the fight five rounds. So he had to fight twenty-five four, minutes. So five. he had to fight four and a half rounds yeah. on one leg, basically. Yeah. And this is a guy who was still throwing kicks, who was trying to mask it the best that he could. And you know, and it's funny because I'm seeing some people in, in the media and on Twitter saying, "Well, they should have stopped that fight." Then like that—that's stupid. It's so barbaric. I'm gonna share a real quick story with you of my favorite MMA fight that I was ever a part of. Uh, this was about two years ago. I was cornering one of my teammates. We call him Fat. His name is Ramon. Uh, we call him Fat. And uh Fat had a knee injury going into the fight, but we didn't know how bad it was. Um, what ended up happening in the first round, this is an amateur fight, by the way, so it's three three-minute rounds. Um, literally in the first minute of the fight, the guy that Fat was fighting went for a takedown. Fat's leg gets twisted up, and something pops, and his leg immediately gives way. And you could tell when he tried to get back up, his leg buckled. So it was three minutes, you know, he he survived, comes back to the stool and immediately he's looking at it. He's like, something's not right. And usually, and if you watch the UFC fight with, with Santos, usually what you want to do in the corner is it's your job to make the fighter feel calm because the last thing you want to do, and some trainers actually do this, some trainers will yell at their opponent and say, don't worry about it. Like it's not a big deal. You know, no, it's your job to make the fighter feel calm because being in a cage, is absolute chaos.
1: I really could have used someone to keep me calm in that cross-country meet. Exactly. So <laughs> nope, Nobody was there for that.
2: So, so, so the whole time I'm telling Fat, dude, just stay calm. You're okay, man. You're okay. Just stick to the game plan. And you know what? And Fat did. But... The whole time his leg was given out and you could tell. So you knew it was like an ACL and MCL thing, and it ended up being that. But um Did by he th- win? He won too by it's decision. Bad. But but Which by the and here's why I say it was my favorite fight of all time. Because by the third round, you knew he was in pain. Yeah. You knew that you, you couldn't block it out anymore. The, the adrenaline wore off and he's going, he has one more round left. And where usually I would be calm and just say, All right man, time to relax, I was screaming. And I, I was screaming and I was almost to the point of like getting emotional. I'm like, You don't feel it. It just it doesn't matter. Don't worry about your leg, just go out there. And I'm, I'm I'm being kind of nice of how I'm saying because sure. for our sponsors and yeah. censorships. Right. But basically, I was just saying, dude, just don't worry about it. Just get the F back out there. You're going to be fine. But the, deep down, I'm like, dude, he's got a torn ACL and this guy's, you know, given all he's got. So that was my favorite fight. And it, kind of the same thing with Santos, where, yeah, adrenaline is a crazy thing, and people are saying, well, they should have stopped the fight. Listen, especially in the sport of MMA, you only get so many chances. And and, and that was his chance, okay? And um, it says a lot about the guy. It says a lot about his grit, his toughness, to tear all that in his knee, um, to keep throwing kicks with that leg, to really try to mask the pain. Um and he really kind of, honestly, exposed the he greatest succ- fighter he was in the successful world. successful with yeah, those I mean, kicks. Th- th- this is a, this is uh, an opponent, John Jones, who I mean, he has a loss on his record, but the loss was kind of BS. It, it was a technicality. Yeah, the, yeah. So you have a guy in John Jones who's never been beat, who's no no one's ever really been able to solve the puzzle. And Santos started throwing leg kicks at John Jones, and all of a sudden Jones looked a little tentative. It wasn't Jones' best fight, and that came from the leg kicks. So from that man, I think Thiago Santos had one of the grittiest performances, um. In professional sports. And almost won. And, and almost won, too. It was a split decision. And, and granted, I get it. People were kind of outraged at the fact that he didn't win. I always stand by the philosophy that in order to get the belt from the champion, you have to beat the champion. And to be honest, Santos didn't beat John Jones. You know, I, I thought it was a, a draw, if anything. And if that's the case, then the champion wins. So John Jones won the fight, but you can't take anything away from Santos, torn ACL, torn MCL, torn meniscus, torn PCL in the first round, and uh, to try to just... Hang on for five more rounds. Which which led me to the question, though. What are some gritty performances that stick out to you? Bloody sock game? Kurt Schilling? See, I can't stand this one. You don't like that one? That no. he
1: had injured tendons in
2: his ankle? Uh, I mean, I, I get. I don't know how in, injured they were. Like, it wasn't a torn Achilles. It was
1: bleeding. Okay, well, that's the thing. Like, I, I've stubbed my toe before and guess okay, what? It was bleeding. Yeah. I've had a bloody sock. All right. Like, keep, keep going. Okay, uh, yeah. Jack Youngblood. Okay. Broken leg. Yeah. Impressive. Plays, gets a sack. Tiger Woods, also a broken leg. leg. Wins the U.S. Open. Yeah. Didn't ask for a golf cart. (laughs) We'll get to that in a
2: second. (laughs) Didn't ask for a golf cart. Um, How about Kerry Strug? That that was one I was going to mention. Kerry Strug um, on one leg. Listen, I understand you're a gymnast if you know your entire life, but that event, and listen, like I said, I'm not a gymnast, but I can't imagine... Not ha- feeling 100% with my legs, expected to do the what do they call it? That's the the event that she was the on the, the vault. Thank you. Expected to do the vault knowing that you have literally one good leg or one one good foot. Yeah. Um. Then stick to landing. Yeah. That's why I sh- that that iconic scene at the end where her coach is holding her. I mean, it's one of the greatest moments in sports.
1: Right up there with spraining your ankle in a cross country meet.
2: Right up there. The Just right up there. Well, and I think another one for a local tie, Byron Leftwich. Sure. I remember being a kid, uh seeing the highlights of that Marshall game, where he broke his leg. Carried him th- down the field. His teammates are literally yeah. carrying him down the field. Now, didn't win the game. Right. Uh Which
1: is a bummer. Yeah. Especially when you break your leg. Yeah. But um, definitely a, a gritty performer, to you say want the least. A, if you want a little different spin on it, you always have the flu game for Michael Jordan.
2: That's another great one, too. The Jordan flu game against the Jazz drops 15 points in the fourth quarter for a total of 38. Um, that's one for my childhood, for sure. And listen, I'm not trying to be a hater on the Curt Schilling thing. It was a bloody sock, I get it. Red socks. There's there's a nice little pun there. Sure. But, I mean, was it torn tendons or did he just have a little
1: nick and stuff? But I understand it's up there, though. We'll continue the balling and falling next here on ESPN 690. Welcome back into the final hour on this Tuesday of ESPN 690. We should we should make like Justin the official sponsor of today and call it Kooz Day. You like that? I'm not I'm not mad at that.
3: I was thinking about getting my own uh, koozies and handing out Coos koozies. That that or, no 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 actually that's that, pretty genius. But I'm not it,
0: mad
1: at that idea. It would just have to be like Coosies, stylized with your name. I don't. Yeah. like Coos Kooz
2: Coosies. Or else
1: we get a boat. Yeah. Obviously
2: sponsored by somebody. Sure. And we call it the uh, the Booz Kooz. the booze Coos. The Coos Cruise. The Or the Coos. The Coos booze Booz, cruise. The Coos booze cruise, which is right up your the alley, there, Coos.
3: I mean, get a sponsor and get me some free drinks, and all I'll right. be on that boat Any every boat weekend. companies
2: companies uh, listening out there, go ahead and give us a shout-out. But speaking <laughs> of drinking...
1: I was going to say, all I know is I know what the the official drink yes. of the Coos Booze Cruise would be <laughs> as we hit the 5 o'clock hour.
2: Tip your star tenders yeah yeah heck yeah do you have a read you want to do or- I, I do
1: okay well what more I, do you I, want me to say dude i just i just wanted some
2: excitement all right then i'll, I'll, I'll redo that yeah, like give it, uh, give it to me with some excitement like i'm uh, a home run derby announcer on espn 690 there it is grab a drink there's another one get a shot oh that's just gonna be a double there's another home run Tip your star tenders. I like How's that. How's that? That's better. That's exactly how the broadcast, I'm sure, went last night for ESPN 690 for the Home Run Derby. There's another one. Very possible. That's a
1: homer. Yeah. The Happy Hour Horn brought <laughs> to you by Vita de Louis, a locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in beautiful tequila, Mexico, and then shipped directly to the even more beautiful Jacksonville Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, the smoothest tequila you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise. Visit Vita dot com and make sure you drink responsibly. There it is, nailed it. I needed that energy. I needed the energy to lift me up. You, I'm
2: telling you, ESPN man, hire me for the for the audio for the for the broadcasting next year for the home run Derby. I would crush it, absolutely crush it. Speaking of uh, you crushing, know, it. Sure crushing it, we said crushing and balling
1: it. What is your balling there, sir? All right, so uh, my balling goes to a few young golfers here in Jacksonville that are going to compete in the U.S. Amateur. Of course, the biggest amateur championship in the entire U.S., which is why it's called the U.S. Amateur. Yes. Here we are. Uh, The top three in today's local qualifier uh, down at Sawgrass Country Club are advancing and getting that chance to go play up at Pinehurst. Cody Carroll, uh, UNF golfer from Middleburg. Brandon Mancino, who we've been watching for a long time, out of Mandarin now, golfs for Auburn, as well as uh, Eugene Hong, a Florida Gator, who came over here to Jacksonville to grab one of those three spots. Congratulations to all three of those guys getting to go compete in the U.S. Amateur. In fact, you'll see highlights from that and hear from them tonight on Action Sports Jacks, which I'll be anchoring at 6:50 on Fox 30, as well as 11:20 on CBS 47 and Fox 30.
2: Nicely done. Before we get into fall here, I think we got a phone call. Ah, yes. Uh, we got South Beach Gary Whitten on the horn here. You want to go ahead and
1: push the button? I can, since Coos appears otherwise engaged. I'm going to add our man South Beach Gary to the the line. How you doing, Gary? What's going on? Maybe Coos needs to hit a button. Coos is Kuz is otherwise occupied. So, hang on. See, if, ne- yeah, yeah. Are you there now, Gary? Yeah, I'm there, there we go. Sorry, Coos is dealing with some other technical issues on okay. the station right now. So, uh, what's happening? How's your How's your Kuz <laughs> Day <laughs> Tuesday <laughs> going?
6: The song of the day is going to be the classic "Stand By Me" by Ben E. King. Okay, I think that was featured in what was that movie? Was it the Goonies where the kids were looking for the dead body? Was that the Goonies? Uh, the a Rob Liner film.
2: Well, there, there is the Goonies. There, there's "Stand By Me," which was uh, a, a dead body film too. There's a couple of them.
6: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that song was featured in that movie. I'm, I'm, okay. I could be wrong, but I don't know what inspired really today's really, yeah, song of the that. day, but. Here we it's are. Still a, it's, it's still a classic song, whatever okay, movie yeah. it was. I like it. Uh hey Uh, uh the uh, just our giggles last night I, guys, I was listing the divi- the teams by division. Okay. To figure out uh what team hasn't been to the Super Bowl and I counted 13 still of the 32 teams that haven't won a Super Bowl.
1: That seems like a said, high I, number, doesn't it? It seems wrong. like a really high number. I'm not saying you're wrong. It just, yeah, that that kind of speaks well, we to the fact that, Lowe,
6: yeah, uh, San Diego, sure, Houston Texans, yeah, Jacksonville Jags. Until this Tennessee year, Titans. obviously. <laughs> I, I'm Tennessee sorry. Titans. Are you saying haven't won or
1: been to a Super Bowl? Haven't,
6: haven't won, won a Super won Bowl. Bowl. Okay, okay. I'm yeah, yeah. Person, so there, yeah.
1: there's certainly there's been a lot of them. Uh, that's for sure. And you've seen these dynasties in the game of football that have have kind of dominated and caused that to happen for that, sure. That, I,
6: I, but that's still quite a big guy. It is, 13 yeah. 13 a 32 that haven't won. That's nearly, nearly half the league. It is. Uh, it's surprising.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, somewhere between a third and, and a half of the league. Uh, yeah, that's...
6: You, you know, considering that, you know, the NFL is probably the most parity league by the way they deal with the salary cap and the, you know, the drafting of the draft order and stuff like that, it's... Uh, it's kind of surprising, but you know New England have not hogged so many by by cheating over the past several years. But sure, and it's amazing you to know me that, that. yeah. Go ahead. I was going over all the list of offenses by the Patriots. I counted like seven different <laughs> offenses from Sally Cap from not reporting the injury of Belichick to what Kraft did to the spy gate to the inflate gate to the. The PED use of Julian Adelman, which uh, I like the way baseball did. I wish football would do it, too, guys. Where If you're suspended for PED during the regular season, you're not allowed to play in the postseason. In baseball, they don't allow that. I wish football would adopt that. And uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. No
2: all problem. right, so uh,
1: I like that South Beach Gary adds his fallen, and it's the New England Patriots <laughs> for all their many infractions over the years.
2: And listen, to get back to Gary's point, though, yeah, I mean, 12 teams haven't won a Super Bowl. Um, and he brought up a good point where there is probably the most, um, with, with the salary cap and stuff, there is the most, like, uh, what would you say? I mean, it's, I'm trying to find the word to describe it here. So like there's the most parody parody, uh, throughout the teams, but, I think NFL, the National Football League, I think with football, you have the greatest dynasties as well. You know, with all due respect to the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics, when you think of the NFL, you think of the Steelers, you think of the 49ers, you think of the Cowboys, um, you think of the Packers from the early 60s, you know, and then obviously the New England Patriots and nowadays. So you've always kind of had these dynasties. And that's not to say of those 12 teams, I mean, yeah, the Falcons have been to the Super Bowl twice, the Bills have been there four times, uh, the Panthers. Others have been there twice. Bengals have been there twice. Vikings four times. But they haven't been able to win the big game because you run into these juggernauts that are dynasties. And I think that's got something to do with it.
1: Uh, Thirteen NBA franchises have not won the NBA title. Fair so that's enough. another rather high number. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Let's, um, uh, let's jump into your fall in. yeah. let's, uh Let's let's get this shit back on course a little All bit. All right. So. After, our, after our Captain South Beach Gary drives us drives us off the the line for a bit let's stuart, let's get back to falling i'm gonna play a little audio for you real quick
4: oh, okay. and i want you to I guess like what is happening
2: oh, in this audio here we go who's hit me with it
4: <laughs> a lot of excitement happening here seems to be
2: some
1: kind of announcer in some kind of
2: stadium okay because that's all we need thank you very much
1: stuart weber what was happening, that audio? Ooh, this is tough. This is really tough. Um, Spoiler alert, it didn't happen in the States, by the way. Uh, no, because that was Korean. Good call. Yeah. I saw the video. Sorry. Oh, so you know what happened? Yeah, I already know what it was. All right. Well, they say... I was going to do it and then be like... Wish you would have played along, man. I know, but it would have felt disingenuous. Follow the script. I don't care. Follow the script. Well, if I would have guessed it correctly, then it would have looked weird that I would have gotten it. Uh, uh, A muster name is Daniel Day-Lewis. You stick to the script, dude. All
2: right? Don't improvise. Well, they say chicks dig the long ball. Home runs are the best part of the game. A Korean league heard that and said... Go ahead and check this out. In their own version of the All-Star Week, a Korean league has chosen to showcase a different part of the game quite possibly the least exciting part of baseball, known as bunting. What happened in that video and what's been kind of spreading the interwebs, if you will, is that each batter gets a chance to lay down, I think, 10 bunts. And when they lay down these bunts, there are two targets set up down the first baseline and the third baseline. Uh, and it's a giant target. Obviously, if you hit the, the bunt towards the middle of the target, you get more points. Um, this was what people were going crazy for in Korea. Um, It was a big event, a lot of pageantry, a lot of what have you. And uh, I just can't get behind... You're not not down for it.
1: I can't get behind the bunting champion. No, I just can't do it. Do you know how good some of those guys would be against the shift? Probably fantastic. I think today's major leaguers need to take a lesson from these fine athletes on how to bunt. Down watch that left field. The, watch line. the
2: ratings just come in. Watch the cast just get printed I, where people are bunting against the shift.
1: I just think I'm that, all set. I mean, bunting has gone along with Major League Baseball for so long, they, they put it up in every stadium for July 4th. So the bunting. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, uh, and I got dual, you. Dual yep. Yeah, so uh, I, I think that, you know, to fix the, the shifting issues right now. I was uh, going to say, do we have. A, were uh, you were going to try uh, and get a there job. There it is. There it is. Good. I was waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, I'm good with that. Um yeah, there's too much shifting. I don't like the shifts. Alright. Well speaking of phone and your puns, what do you got for phone? You mentioned it uh <laughs> in the last hour. Yeah. Uh and it's John Daly and oh, the yeah. and the golf cart thing. And and I know it it sparks a it sparks an interesting conversation. Uh the reason he was able to use the cart uh earlier, I believe, is the PJ Championship, where they use the Americans with Disabilities acts using his osteoporosis as the, the reason for him to be able to use the cart. But it this week, uh, not this week, the following week, in the U.S. Open or the, the Open Championship in uh, Royal Portrush this year, he is not allowed to use the golf cart. So he has since said, I'm out. I'm, I'm not going to uh, participate. He also thinks he got bit by a brown recluse. Uh posted that on Twitter, okay so He hasn't given the exact reason, but it was health reasons as to why he was unable to compete in the open championship.
2: What do you think about this? Do you think he should get the golf cart?
1: I don't think so yeah i I feel like when the entire field is is walking this distance, be it six seven however many miles mm-hmm. uh over the course of the round, I feel like it puts him at a dis- you know at at an advantage. And it's a disadvantage for the other golfers who, and I know you can say they're walking. They're not, you know, but if you walk a few miles, you're going to feel it. It's going to affect your physical performance and how you are able to do it. And I feel like it creates an unfair playing field. And, and like I said, I certainly understand the whole American Disabilities Act and, and how because of these conditions that he has, it prevents him from being able to walk without pain. And to be able to do these things, but I, I, I don't feel like it's a right that you should be able to get that cart and get yeah. that advantage. And listen, I, I
2: grew up a giant John Daly fan. If you saw me, um, Play on the golf course for the ESPN 690 golf outing. I had a loose cigarette in my mouth the entire time. Didn't light it, but I had it in my mouth because of John Daly. Sure, Uh, I'm a big John Daly fan. I thought, I thought, I think he still is. I think he's great for the sport. I think he's one of the best personalities. Absolutely. uh, He'd probably be
1: sponsored by Under Yeah, I mean,
2: he's kind of like the real life Happy Gilmore, if you will. Yes. Right. So, I respect the dude a hell of a lot, but at the same time, golf falls in the category of professional sports. And the biggest thing that comes with being a professional athlete is taking care of your body because your body is your business. And um, like it or not, John Daly may has may ha- has not done the best job, let's say, of taking care of his body, especially probably in the past five, six years or so. Um, not to say that's bad. I mean, hey, that's just, that's who he is, yep. but you do have, uh, you have a job to do and that, that job is taking care of your body. So to get a special exemption, um, i on, on the golf course to use a golf cart because let's just be honest, because you didn't really take the best care of yourself because maybe you don't take it too seriously of e- eating healthy or, or training things like that. And I get it. It's golf. There's not a lot that goes in. I mean, Brandon Taylor's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Br- Brooks Koepka, I'm sure he could squat a house. Sure. Uh, but let's be honest, for the most part, you're not a good golfer because of what you do in the squat rack. You're not a good golfer what you do in the bench press. You're a good golfer because you're consistent. Um, you can read the greens and things like that. Okay. So, well, I'm not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The These right, reasons? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because yeah. I could squat a house That's too. why I suck, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with John Daly, it's like, I, I get it, man. You still want to keep on playing the game that you love. The, the sport is better with you in it. But they can't make a special exemption because you choose not to take care of yourself. And that's, that's just fair. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I don't think like he would ever be really in serious contention with all the respect to him to win a tournament like that, but at the same time, it's not fair to anybody else that doesn't get to use the card.
1: And in all seriousness, get that spider bite checked out, John. Did he post it on Twitter, Instagram, I think he or did, what? Yeah, I didn't. I'm not going to look at it, but I'm I'm assuming you don't you don't do spiders. I just the 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 wound. The, and the, the I don't. I don't the know pos? what he. I, yeah, I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he posted. I okay. I don't, I don't. Well, then I'll, I'll be sure to look on it and. uh Check it out here. All right. So there's our ballin' and fallin'. Uh, We're going to talk a little NFL next. We're going to talk some Jaguars. You've been teasing it all show. Yeah. And listen,
2: I know it's law season, and we can be all sunshines and rainbows, and that's perfectly fine. Hey, sunshine and rainbows is on vacation. Yeah. But sometimes you have to look at the other spectrum of it. Sometimes you have to bring a little rain to the party. We are in Florida, after all. Sometimes you have to bring a little cloudiness to the party. And uh, we're going to talk about what the Jaguars have to do to make sure that the coaching staff and the GM stays intact. Check it out next on ESPN 690.
6: Hey, everyone! Well,
1: welcome back to Action Sports X Radio on ESPN 690. We've, uh, we've been notified that the stream over the air is uh, sounding, I don't know, a bit echoey. Uh, apparently, we had a lightning hit and we're on a, a backup something or another. But I can assure you, all the streams sound good. So if you have us on uh, Twitter... Or facebook if you're in the car and you don't like what you're hearing because it's over the air uh connect your phone because everyone has their phone connected to their car at this point right oh absolutely and just I mean, pop in the stream on the
2: ox on unless you're a pilgrim listening us to on the am radio i think you guys are just fine well, we do
1: have pilgrims though i, oh, I, I know we have
2: pilgrims yeah. for the most part but i think predominantly people listen to us via like the Streaming. website stream yeah but no, I'm sure there's old school people who have still listen to the AM radio. Yeah, in the car. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure ESPN just loves me ragging I mean, on you know. uh, the announcers for the Home Run Derby, ragging on AM radio. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being a good team player right now. Oh, boy. But speaking of being a good team player and being a company man, yeah. the, the whiteboard magic is back
1: here. Yes, we got you a new marker. Yeah. Because that's what it took to get it going again.
2: And I teased during the break, and I teased at the start of the show today, uh, I'm not one to rain anybody's parade. I know there's a lot of optimism going into this season, but guess what? There was a lot of optimism going into the 2018 season as well. It seemed like the Jaguars were kind of like that sexy pick to go to the Super Bowl, and we saw it happen five and eleven. So, I want to take it in a different direction instead of you know talking about how good they're going to be. I want to talk about how if they don't perform, if they don't uh, succeed on the field. How many wins do they actually need to keep everybody's job safe? And by everybody's job safe, I mean the coaching staff and the general manager, Dave Caldwell. And if you look at the whiteboard, that is my number eight
1: is the magic number. So if the Jaguars go seven and nine, it is of your opinion that it's time to move on. Or maybe not that it's your opinion that we need to move on. You think that is a distinct possibility of happening. So here's, here's where I'm standing at. Okay. Shad Khan's a businessman first.
2: You know, um, what he's done, I think, for the city of Jacksonville, uh, for the franchise of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think he's taken it to the next level. He's taken it up an echelon, um... He's been on record saying, and this happened after the Houston Texans game, and I'm going to go word for word here what he said. Um, this is off Twitter. Uh, he said, "I have the same trust in Tom, Dave, and Doug as I did upon their introduction two years ago, and I do believe our best path forward for the moment is the one less disruptive and dramatic um, option, which I agree with. Stability should not be confused with satisfaction. I am far, cont- I am far from content with the status quo, and while it's the best." While it's best to put 2018 behind us, I will not overlook how poorly we accounted for ourselves following a 3-1 and one start. Now, once again, I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative here. Uh Last year when the Jaguars beat the Pats, I was the first one saying, you better lock up your Super Bowl tickets now because the Jaguars are definitely going to go. I mean, there was a lot of hype with that team because you looked at that roster from 2018 – It was pretty much the same as 2017. Yeah. You know, and I get... Just one year older. I know. And I get we want to use the excuses of injuries, which, yes, they were abundant. Leonard Fournette, that offensive line, sure. Marquise Lee, absolutely. There's injuries. But when you go back 10 years from now, you go back in the history books of that um, 2018 season, there's not going to be an asterisk next to the 2018 Jacksonville Jaguars that said... Yeah, they won five and eleven, but they had a lot of injuries. You right. know, like history doesn't care about injuries because it happens on every single NFL team. So as Al- I look at Alan Robinson the year prior, yeah, exactly. So as I look, uh, you know, at Con's comments here from from you know a, a, a while ago, but I think they still ring true today. Um, as I look at the schedule and I look at the division, which I think from top to bottom may be the hardest division in the NFL, saying that I think any team could justifiably win it. Um, no, some teams have better odds, but I wouldn't be surprised if any one of the teams in the AFC South would win the division. I think we take all of that into account. And you look at like they went five and eleven last year, which was obviously an underwhelming performance. I think eight and eight. I think five hundred. I think not a losing season, not a winning season, but progress from five wins the previous year. You look at what he had with Nick Foles. I think an eight and eight season is at least what you need to maintain the coaching staff and the general
1: manager? Yes. I, I would almost think, though, that those two positions aren't necessarily tied together Okay. based on the number of wins they get. I feel like if the team goes out and gets seven wins, but they're able to compete with all the teams in the division, they're able to battle... There's maybe a scenario where you see the head coach come back and they move on from the general manager. Remember that was the that was the big scuttlebutt a year ago was what was Dave Caldwell going to keep his job. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the the bar is a little bit different for those two guys to where you could have a less successful season and see Doug Marone stay because I think of how well aligned he is not to say that Dave Caldwell is not, with Tom Coughlin and where their mindsets are. So I could see Caldwell not coming back if they go 7-9. So that, that eight number rings true. Um, but I feel like it would have to be worse than that for Doug Marone to leave. Um, You know, and yeah, I,
2: well, and I think we, yeah, we're taking the record into account. And at the end of the day, we can say last year, well, they only won five games last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But guess what? They had a lot of close games. It wasn't like they were necessarily all blowouts. So, yeah, sure, you can take that into account and say, well, you know what? They were really competitive for a lot of the games. But at the end of the day, Stuart, all that matters that as a head coach, as a starting quarterback, or as a GM, are the wins and losses. And with a GM, the biggest thing that is tied to your successful career of how long you will stay – on a franchise for the GM, in my opinion, was two things actually is wins and losses, obviously. Yeah. But a close second or a 1A, 1B, 1B being the quarterback. Yeah. That you draft. Uh, and if you uh, look yeah. at the quarterback nah. that was drafted in Blake Portals, he's a guy in 2017 that led you to the AFC Championship. No, no doubt about it. He was a big reason why the, well, him and Leonard Fournette, but he was. A and, starting and the starting quarterback. Yeah, so say what you want, but yeah. Bortles got him there. He yes. got a new contract out of it, so be it. Um, was it the right decision? Some will say yes, some will say no. It doesn't matter. He took you to the AFC Championship
1: next year, 2018. Most would say no. no, most say no now. <laughs> but yes. I'm saying after in that season, yeah, in retrospect, yeah. it made sense at that time. But in and 2018, Einstein's 2020,
5: exactly. Now,
2: 2018, obviously, it wasn't the right decision for the Jacksonville Jaguars to give Blake Bortles that contract. But that just it is what it is. You got to bite the bullet there. But now you bring in Nick Foles. So as a GM, you lost your quarterback. You know, you, you lost the guy that you brought in, the, the guy that you're tied to most of all in Blake Bortles. So now you bring in Nick Foles and yeah, uh, Nick Foles is proven. He's a Super Bowl MVP. So that's going to help you out a lot, but it's going to come down to, I really think the magic number is eight. And with Dave Caldwell, like listen, it's his job to put the talent together on that roster. It is Doug Marone's job. To get the best out of that talent, it's to cultivate that talent, to make that talent um, have one common goal and be on the same page. Now, last year, when the Jaguars went five and eleven, you saw people weren't on the same page. You you saw a lack of leadership. You saw a lot of undisciplined play. Um, you saw a lot of uh, distractions on the outside. And I hate to tell you that that's not Dave Caldwell's job. Correct. That's that head coach's do- yeah. job. That, yeah. That's Doug Marone's. And, and listen, Doug, I thought Doug Marone was great where he literally fell on every single grenade uh, that was thrown at him. Yeah. You know, when, when people were questioning Fournette, throwing that punch in Buffalo... Dave, uh, I'm sorry, Doug Marone came forward and said, yeah, th- th- that's on me. I gotta get the, the, get, the, get the culture better. Jalen Ramsey GQ article. Doug Marone said, yeah, that's on us. So, um, Doug Marone was the first guy to land on all those grenades. And that's great and everything, man. But, um, I feel like if you have kind of the same repeat things from 2018, I mean, the, the, the culture falls on the coach and
1: wins and losses are important, but so is culture. All right. We're going to continue this discussion next. We'd love to hear from you at home, wherever you are listening. Be sure to dial in star star 690 Let us know the number. How many wins do the Jaguars need in order to ensure the safety when it comes to the jobs for this coaching staff in front office? Let us know. We'll continue that discussion next, as well as an update to an NFL star involving a local athlete. That's coming up next on ESPN 690. And welcome back to Action Sports Jacks Radio on ESPN 690. I've heard that the uh, broadcast is now sounding nice and clear again, so thank you for anyone who hung with us there or is enjoying it on the streams, which never had an issue, and you have no idea what I'm talking about. Beautiful. Got to love it. We've been talking about the number. What is the number of wins that this Jaguars team needs to have in 2019 in order for the front office staff and coaching staff to feel comfortable about their future here in jacksonville got some interaction from russell tapley who's been watching and listening on our youtube page one of the many streams where you can catch action sports jacks radio this channel on youtube is action sports jacks on espn 690 am and on cbs 47 fox 30 coos could it be a longer name for a youtube channel that is really long what was it again Action Sports Jax on ESPN, 690 AM, and on CBS 47, Fox 30. Yeah, that's a little aggressive. Got to
3: get all the important stuff in there, though. How are we supposed for to the, be influencers? For the channel name? Hey, that's what the higher-ups told me. All right, well. Well, it's uh, not like
1: we're making it, them happy anyways, the way I've been talking <laughs> smack about it
3: well, just, the past yeah, two days. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to
1: yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you're on YouTube, just search Action Sports Jax, and I think it'll pop up. And then yeah. some other things as well. It's beautiful. Yeah. So Russell chiming in, saying, quote, yeah so if we tank this year Caldwell will be gone for sure. Khan has given him a lot of chances, and I think that time is up eight to nine games the only thing that will save him so that's that's talking about caldwell and and it brings up the question are these are these two and I say two I'm not including Tom Coughlin are Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell tied at the hip in your opinion um you know, if you look it's at the tough question.
2: Yeah, if you look what Khan said in his comments, you know, towards the end of the season here sure. you know, after the Houston game, I mean, I don't think he was really impressed with anybody. I, mean, I don't think anybody was really impressed with anybody after that season. Um Tied together, not necessarily, but like I said, I think if you look at the roster right now, top to bottom, and I I get injuries play a big factor into it, right? But if you look at the roster top to bottom right now, especially with the starting quarterback in folds assuming Fournette can stay healthy, you have a competitive roster, okay? You had a, a pretty good draft. Josh Allen, I think, is going to be a beast. We'll see with Quincy Williams. Um, you got a steal with Drawn Taylor, uh, you know, in the second round. So you had a great draft. I think you had the talent to compete. Now it's all about cultivating that talent as a coach and putting a winning product on the field. So why they may not be tied together, I think if, that, if they're not successful this year, I think if they don't reach that magic number of eight, I think both um, You'll be on both
4: guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: you mentioned Jawan Taylor. We'll continue some of the thoughts from Russell who's been listening and, and chiming in, and we love it when people interact and, and get with us with their comments. Russell wants to know if we're concerned about the depth on the offensive line. He, he thinks that an injury or two really could put that group in trouble and that Foles deserves a good line in order to run the ball. So some good comments there from Russell. Uh, we'll obviously get into a lot more... Depth chart, Mm -hmm. position by position discussions uh, as we get closer and closer to training camp, which, oh my goodness, is only a, a little bit over two weeks away. Yeah, which is insane. Yep. Uh, But here we are. Goodbye summer. School's (laughs) out for summer. Yeah, as you like to say. Uh, But let's talk about that offensive line for a second.
2: You know so. And listen, we don't know how it's going to shake out in training camp yet. Um, with what we see on paper right now, one would assume Andrew Norwell is going to take the step forward. Uh, he had injuries last year, but listen, he, he's a guy that Jaguars paid top dollar for to produce. Oh yeah. And, um, truth be told, he, nothing, he hasn't really been that, that guy that's made S- all that money yet.
1: Small sample size. Yeah, small sample size.
2: Um, you got Cam Robinson, who's coming off of a pretty serious knee injury, uh, I'm thankful he's playing the left tackle spot again, though. Yeah. Uh, I really am because there was rumors, you know, in the draft that they might take another left tackle, move him to the right side, and coming off a knee injury, the last thing you want to do is play a position you don't really have a lot of experience playing. Sure. So I think Cam Robinson's going to be okay, and then you probably have maybe like a Josh Wells backing him up. I mean, not the worst guy, a guy that's been in the system before. As your swing. Yeah, yeah as your swing kind of guy. Um, right tackle, I think drawn Taylor is going to be the starter. You I think know? he'll beat out Cedric Obwehi? I think he's going to beat be out Obwehi, um, but it's definitely a spot you saw with Josh Allen, too, uh, where you have to earn that spot. Yeah. You, know, you have to earn that starting spot, and Ron has got to earn it. So you have
1: Cedric Oboehy. Which he was not earning it in his last stop.
2: No, in Cincinnati he had problems. And this is a former first-round pick as well. They actually brought in the former offensive line coach in Cincinnati from Dallas to try to – and literally to try to groom Cedric Oboehy. And he couldn't do it, you know, and um uh, and I feel like if they, if he can't do it, then who can? But sometimes a change of scenery, a, a change of pace, just a change of culture can do wonders. So while I think John Taylor is definitely going to be the starter, I think of where he could be, um, you know, a decent backup. But same thing with Will Richardson as well. Yeah. It's, it, it's a guy who, uh, from the draft had some injuries and everything like that, has played in a couple games, um, you know, hasn't been a, a world beater by any means, but I think from the depth purposes, is going to be all right. And then I at the center position, you have one of the highest paid centers in Brandon Linder, who also needs to stay healthy.
1: Yeah. Um. So listen. uh, And A.J. can as
2: well. Yeah. As I I mean, yep. I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face. Sure. Health, health, health is the biggest it thing. Is. I think I look at the starting lineup right now, and then I like it. I like yeah. what I see, especially as a team who in that John D.
1: Filippo offense is probably going to pass the ball a little more. And newsflash, 31 other NFL fan bases are doing this exact same thing right no, now. No, exactly. And when you talk about John D. Filippo.
2: You are going to see a lot more passing with Nick Foles. Um, but I still think that the, the the base, I still think the calling card is going to be the ability to run the ball. And with that, you need toughness. You need a, a great offensive line, and you need Leonard Paret to stay healthy. So, yeah, I can sit here and say I think we're going to be okay. But all of a sudden, a couple injuries happen, and I would panic a little bit. But let's remember, I think any NFL team panics when offensive linemen go down. Um and that's where the system comes in. That's where the quarterback comes in, where if you have a quarterback like Nick Foles, like a Tom Brady, who can get the ball out super quick, that helps the offensive line. If you have a good running back, like a, like a Todd Gurley or an Alvin Kamara, or hopefully a Leonard Fournette, that helps out the offensive line as well. So I think what we're talking about, we need not only offensive line to do well, but you need Leonard Fournette to step his game up, and you need Nick Foles to keep doing what he's doing, getting the ball out quick.
1: All right. Good stuff. A little, little position uh, conversation here in the middle of July. Why not, man? Absolutely. Uh, let's stay on the NFL. Went in to give an update on a very serious story involving a, a former local guy in Kendrick Norton. Obviously played a Trinity Christian uh, before going to the U down in Miami uh, and has since caught on with the Miami Dolphins. But uh, got involved in that awful car accident. Had to have his arm amputated last week. Uh uh, update to that is that the the NFL has said that they're going to step in and and help with those medical bills. They're going to take care of that, uh, and and that's that's good. That's what you want to see. You want you want to see people rallying and and being able to say, "Hey, look, we know you're not going to come back and play, but we want to know want you to know that we're here for you." And and this is a guy that you know only had one year in the league, mm-hmm. and you know. Was expected to try and fight for a roster spot this year, um, after, you know, bouncing around the two school, the two places last year. Uh, so good on the NFL and you know what? Uh, hoping for all the best for, for Kendrick Norton and his family made a, a post today on his Instagram saying I'm good, had a thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, you know, letting the people at home know that he's stable. He's, you know, he's, he's in the road to recovery and it's going to be a long road to recovery for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, that means more than i think people even understand you know i mean you you have a you have a young guy here who has just probably suffered the most traumatic event of his life um and who has just had his dream taken away from him yeah and and then the split of a second you know a a guy who has grown up playing the game of football that, that he loves that it's come across in interviews it's come across in articles about him and all of a sudden with literally just one split second taken away from you and um when that happens, I think you don't even think about the uh, the consequences of money, the consequences of medical bills and things like that. That only pops up days or weeks, pr- you know, after the fact. But the fact that the NFL is, you know, taking the proper steps, and um, I think the you know the Dolphins are are in his corner as well. Obviously, um, I, I think it's a cool thing, and and even so much of a cool thing. I think you know once the the medical treatments and everything comes back good and um he's ready to live a full life again I think maybe like a, like a job in a front office or sure. someplace on the field because it's
1: it's not the same as playing football right but you're still around One that locker room you're, you're around that culture and I read the article on ESPN.com uh it includes this caveat in here this idea uh about the fact that the Miami Dolphins could still put him on their non-football injury list for 2019 which would then allow them to pay him the 495,000 that would have been his salary mm-hmm. under his current deal. I think the we'll same thing happened that with happens. Zach
2: Miller from the Chicago Bears as that's well. Right, that's yeah. Right. yeah. So, yeah, pretty cool thing on the Dolphins' part.
1: Yeah, so let's hope that that's what they do. Um mm-hmm. we we certainly hope so and uh we're we're thinking of Kendrick Norton, uh Jacksonville kid. I mean, covered him in in the high school days and and we always You know, like to wrap our arms around our guys. Our no. guys that go out there and go do these big things. So
2: absolutely, and you know, and me being a former player, I mean, listen, we ninety nine percent of the guys in the NFL, they always get told that they're not going to play the game anymore. But it's it's the rare point something percent that gets the game taken away from yep. an accident like that. So um, you know that kind of leaves a big hole in your heart. But like like I said before, props to the NFL for having his back. Props to the Miami Dolphins for having his back, and uh, and I'm sure it's nothing but good vibes and good things happening from here on out.
1: All right, we're gonna continue the good vibes. Wrap up this show. Coming up next, right here on ESPN 690, as we get ready to stay in your lane and perhaps pump your brakes as you're doing that on the highway on the way home. Right now, on a Coupé Tuesday. Hey, this is Deontay
2: the Bronx for the WBC Heavyweight Champion of the World, and you're watching Action Sports Jocks.
6: BUM Squad.
1: Action. Sports.
2: Jocks. You're talking smack about Deontay Wilder? I would never. I was going to say, I'll make one phone call right now and get him up in here if you want to talk to him about it. I would
1: never talk smack about somebody who could murder me.
2: Stuart Weber, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't say anything. I I may have talked some smack today, but I I, I refuse to talk
1: smack about the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, I had it written on a piece of paper with an A. (laughs) Jax.
2: Dude, when you wear $300,000 around your neck in chains and gold... You say whatever the hell you want to say. I don't agree with that. Oh, no? Read the line so we can use it. Once again, okay, see? Did you see two what... Two people. Jay, Dale lewis Deontay Wilder can go off script. You can, Stuart, and you can, Kuz. Sorry, Kuz, what were what you saying? What about
3: uh, it, the Suns posted uh, Ricky Rubio because he officially signed with the team? And obviously he has an accent. So when he said Suns fans, it didn't sound like he said Suns. And uh, a lot of people were like, he doesn't even know the team name. <laughs> that's like
1: people coming here and saying Jaguars, Jaguars, Jaguars. Yeah,
3: Jaguars.
2: Wars, wars, wars. wars. Yeah.
3: It's still f- wars,
1: or, or just the Jags.
3: Yeah, I just say Jags because Jaguars to me still like feels weird. Like I don't yeah. know, it doesn't really. Yeah, I would like say jaguar. Jaguars. Too. I would say Jaguar, but I know like that's not it.
1: You're right. That That is not it. <laughs> it's not it. This ain't it, Chief. Speaking of
2: being it, i okay. got a little uh, stay in your lane for everybody Here we at go. home right now. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I made a little mistake. So the Thiago Santos no. story okay. was actually cruise control. Okay. So this is going to be balling, but it's also cruise control because, uh, well, I guess you'll just have to sit back and see why um let me bring that up quick because somebody was on my computer uh, yesterday hey man i'm just uh trying to go with it here we go Kuz, have you so, been locking the door because
1: it's kind of on you i mean we can't let people in here in the studio
3: i don't want people touching my I stuff need these doors lock honestly. all right
1: so <laughs> ballin slash cruise control sure you know what,
2: Stuart? coos a lot of people have been asking me lately how am i handling it being that i can't break about murray State every single day now right because john Morant got drafted you, can't, you still do I haven't done the past like okay. week and a half. Yeah, I was on vacation, but it doesn't count. Oh, whatever, Kuz. I don't care. Uh, that's Kuz driving this podcast. Check this one out. So, I've had a lot of room to talk about the, you know, the Murray State racers. Uh, Quincy Williams is on vacation. John Moran already got drafted, but he hasn't played in a game yet. So, it's been kind of, it's been kind of rough, man. All of a sudden, here comes campaign to the rescue. Campaign out of the University of, oh, I'm sorry, Murray State University, not the University of Murray State. Dropped a summer league high 32 points for the Dallas Mavericks a couple days ago. Campaign was the 14th overall pick by the Thunder in 2015. Uh, he was probably mostly known uh, for the Thunder, as Marcel can attest, to more of his pregame dances with Russell Westbrook than actually his performances on the court. Okay, but now he's with Dallas, a new team, a new attitude. Dropping 32 points in a summer league game, uh, which is the highest total, obviously, for the summer league so far. I'm sure Akou has talked all about him on the driving Dish podcast. I feel like he would make a
1: great politician.
2: Campaign. Does, you, you you never turn it off, do you? No, it never doesn't. Never turn it off, no. and Well, to be fair, I think his Twitter handle is like Cam it's about like that yeah so
1: well if he uh if he ever has to get like all-star votes we know what he's gonna do absolutely he's gonna campaign for them i like where your head's at uh it always is
2: there pump your bricks it's a horrible place pump (laughs) pump your bricks uh not not only to the segment but to stewart as well sure uh since we're on the basketball subject let's keep it rolling a little bit pump your bricks so listen quiet leonard is one of the most low-key guys there is would you agree Yes. I am still not convinced that Kawhi Leonard is human. I think he may be a robot sent from Skynet, uh, from the
1: future, like the Terminator. Had a laughter glitch at one point.
2: He did have a laughter glitch. I think he is from Skynet. But, let's be honest, if he's a robot or not, it's hard to dislike the guy. He's just, he's a blue collar guy, puts his head down, wins championships, and, uh, doesn't have much to say about doing it. The claw. One would think that the guy doesn't have any enemies. Nay. Kawhi Leonard has made some enemies, folks. Listen to this lineup. Alfred Coffee, a a coffee chain in California, posted on their Instagram story this past Monday. We reserve the right to refuse service to Kawhi Leonard after he has been affiliated with the Clippers organization. Obviously, the coffee company, Lakers fans. So Kawhi Leonard has been banned from Alfred Coffee.
1: Now, What was the name of that coffee place again? Alfred Coffee. Never heard of it.
2: Never heard of it. It gets worse though. Oh boy, Zanzibar, a gentleman's club in Toronto, has uh, who offered him free lap dances for life if he resigned with the Raptors, has now said on their Instagram. Not sure why I need an Instagram. I feel like people can just come to you. It's fine, whatever. I'm not sure how much promote you can do, whatever. Uh, but has went on Instagram and said that Kawhi Leonard is no longer welcome at Zanzibar Gentlemen's Club couple things here.
1: There's a lot of things to unpack in this one. A lot things here.
2: Kawhi Leonard probably wasn't going to Zanzibar regardless. I don't think Kawhi Leonard's the Zanzibar type of guy. I think Kawhi Leonard's the sit-at-home-and-play-the- Sega Genesis type of guy. And when I say Sega Genesis, I mean, I don't think he knows that PlayStation exists. I don't think he knows that Xbox exists. I think he's just that type of dude. I think Kawhi Leonard's the type of guy who doesn't care about a coffee shop banning him for a $3 cup of coffee we can just go to Starbucks in the next block. When you make over ten million dollars a year, you don't really need to stress out about it
1: a little bit. Here is the thing: if you are an NBA player, you've got people, right? You've got an entourage. You've got a group. Kawhi doesn't. You don't think he's got anybody? Have you ever seen anybody with I'm him? I'm just. I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't track that enough. Okay. Okay. You think the Clippers have somebody? What do you mean? Like an A? Like hey, hey, little Stephen, go. Go get some coffee for the guys.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm going like an intern or something like yes. that.
1: Yes. Probably, but I like to think that... Problem Qu- solved. Yeah, but I
2: think Quiet Leonard's the type of guy that doesn't use an intern. I think he gets his own coffee. He's blue-collar, dude.
3: Hey, intern, go to that gentleman's club and get a lap dance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put, it, put, it, put, it, put it on
2: the
4: Quiet account. Now <laughs> you're talking. Yeah.
2: But, um, yeah, way to, way to flex on an NBA star and banning him from your strip club or your coffee shop. Like, give me a break.
1: Really, all they did it for was publicity.
6: And guess what? You're, you're <laughs> on ESPN 690. We're yeah. talking about it's it. Kinda, so you kind of played right into their
1: plan.
2: Yep. Well, that's the first time we mentioned Zanzibar's on the show and probably the last time along with that coffee shop that I forgot the name of. So
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. doesn't really matter, does it? All the way on the West Coast. All the way on the West Coast. Hey, tell you what, well,
2: they are listening though yeah. on the West Coast. I'll tell you, what we got coming up tomorrow that oh, I, okay. I want to dive into a little bit. Is that is tomorrow DT's. night? DTs, hosted by Tracy Morgan. This is the Oscars of, of the nice. sports world. I've heard of him. I say we have a couple uh, SP predictions tomorrow. Make okay. it a little interesting, and uh, All right. let's make the stakes really high with uh, an interesting bet, if you will. Oh, how does that sound? Like stakes, like T-bones. What are we? Uh, yeah, that or like a flame and pepper challenge, like a hot pepper challenge, something like
3: that. Like uh-huh. a loser does it. Death oh, nut challenge. Death what? Death nut challenge. What is that? Look it up. It's horrible. Is, is that something from Zanzibar's? No, you eat okay. really hot peanuts and they're bad. Okay. Are you gonna do it on W A P E later? No, but our coworker did.
1: Just tremendous stuff from Cruz <laughs> as always. <laughs> the old death nuts, great, right. terrific. Uh, so yeah, we'll get into the ESPYS tomorrow. Um, we'll talk a little more Wimbledon. Yeah. Congrats to Serena. Two more wins today. Singles and mixed doubles. Getting the job done. And uh, if you got nothing to do in about 45 minutes, sit down in front of the TV. Turn on Fox 30. This guy's going to be there. I like it, man. Nice plug. We'll see you on TV later tonight. Action Sports shacks ready.